That's a fun little noise, isn't it? Yeah, the ringing things. That's that's mm-hmm. enjoyable. You're listening to just one of them, their guys, where horrible, horrible stereotypes abound. He's bounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? Oh, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US One podcast hosted by me, Sean Ingram, and my good friend, Jay Burns. Hey Jay, how's it been going? All right, it's good, good, to, good to be talking about good old uh, US Archer. Yes, I'm very thrilled, and for all of you people who thought that uh, the whole US One Thing podcast was just kind of an April Fool's Day joke, well, the joke's on you, because we're going to be finishing out the entire run of US One. Just when you thought it was safe to go back on the internet, (laughs) you were wrong. Yes, fortunately, it's only 12 issues, so it shouldn't take us too long. We'll stretch it out a bit, but in, in all honesty, so far it's been, well, it's been fun. I'll give it that. There's some interesting characters, and today we're going to be talking about a couple of interesting characters in issues three and four of US One. Issue three, we're going to be meeting with uh, a character who gives a bit more storyline with the mysterious highwayman who's been tormenting US One since, since, well, he decided to become a trucker. And in issue four, we're going to meet a, another protagonist, the very Germanic, very Teutonic, very oddly dressed Baron Von Blim. We'll actually see in a showdown between a trucker and a blimp carrying chickens is a valid. Yes, it's, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. But uh, actually, I don't have any preamble before this. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, Jay, I'm going to go ahead and take a little break. And when we get back, we actually have a couple of emails. Yes, I know. It's surprising. People actually thought that this would go on more than one episode. So uh, we'll get back when we get back after these promos. Uh, we'll read some emails and uh, get on with the uh, coverage of US 1 number 3 number 4. So, see you after the break. (laughs) I guess you weren't so tough after all, were you? Now it's time to send you to the next dimension. 291 original episodes. This can't be. It's still going up. 325 manga chapters. You act innocent, but you're deadly. Time to die! Dozens of characters, hundreds of enemies, and a whole lot of violence. That kind of violence is pointless! You see, Super Saiyans tend to be a bit violent. Oh, crap! Join hosts Donovan and Jesse as they cover the arrival of the Saiyans, the journey to Namek, the battle with Frieza, the mystery of the androids, and the terror of Majin Buu. The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Join the fight at dbznextdimension.lipson.com. See ya. Hey, Obi-Wan, your lightsaber's showing. Take a bath, Pete. Live long and good. Suck it, Frodo. 
I'm sick of being a goddamn scarecrow. I'll give this podcast thing a try. Chew bubble gum and kick your ass. Wow, you've gone from very fine to near mint. What a man. Size matters not. TwoTrueFreaks.com And we're back. And like I said, before we got uh, through with the promos, we've actually got a couple of emails to read. So let's go ahead and take a look at the email bag and see who's written into the show. Uh, the first one comes from Professor Allen, uh, Allen Middleton, who's the uh, host of the, well, one of the hosts of the Book Guys show over at bookguys.ca. I'll go check that podcast out. But Professor Allen writes in saying, Sean, in the awesome premiere of the US One podcast, thank you, Professor Allen, you wondered about the ad for the Sears video game system. And Professor Allen says, we had one of these. Your instincts were right. This was an Atari clone, even to the extent that the cartridges were interchangeable. But my dad saves 30% off the retail price compared to those poor suckers who bought the actual cool brand name system. So, hey, good, Professor Allen. You saved a little money on your Atari system. That's, that's good. Cool. I don't know. I mean, I actually saved up my money from like mowing lawns and stuff to buy an Atari 2600 at the time, and I paid $150 for it. So, holy wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. That, it's hard to imagine that now you can get like an Xbox 360 for like under a hundred dollars now. I know. I mean, like, sort of, I mean, just when you think about the fact that obviously I'm a little bit younger than you, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, like, even back in the day, wow. I mean, like, I had I had calculators with more processing power than like stuff that fits, you know, and like it's in something in something like that, or yeah. like, uh, or well, even even things, stuff like things, the, things that used to be like as big as a room or like a city block. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's disappointing. The, I, I'm assuming I'm betting that the i the iPad that you're working off of right now mm-hmm. probably has more computing power than like every Atari twenty six hundred ever manufactured. So. It, it probably does. But uh, Professor Allen continues. It says Pong, Adventure, Space Invaders, Tank Plus, Breakaway, uh, the memories. Keep up the good work from Professor Allen. Okay, well, I didn't well, know that they actually had a pong cartridge. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen like the tables and stuff like in the before, but I didn't I didn't actually know that they had a cartridge for that. I mean, it makes I, sense. I mean, it wouldn't well, be I'm that pretty hard certain but... they, because they did have. Uh, most people remember the Atari Twenty Six Hundred from the joystick controllers with the one joystick and the one red button, but mm-hmm. they also had a couple of extra ones. They had a uh, rotating controller. That, that was basically a knob that you turn left and right. Mm-hmm. And I think they might have, if I recall, they might have had a trackball one. But that might have been specifically for another Atari video game system, like the 5200 or the 7800. I could be mistaken, because I know later on they had Centipede as one of their games. So that might have been for one of the... Yeah, it was, what well, wasn't... Yeah, because what was... was Yeah, 5200 was like the upgrade, and then like 70... 7800 was the one that was just like uh, bombed because it was such a dinosaur by the time it came out. Yeah, I think I think by the time that came out, the uh, the uh, Atari and the Intellivision video game crash had kind of come. So it it was it came out right on the heyday of uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System starting to come out. So that may be why it kind of went like that. 
Yeah, and it's it's fine. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I'm not. It's funny how like out of touch I am with some of these things. Not, I mean, not not just because I'm, you know, a young whippersnapper, but because, um, it, weirdly enough, despite the fact that um, my dad my dad worked at Microsoft for a long time and we've always been had lots of crazy tech stuff over the time, like we had never had a console video game system until like, uh, we got, we got a Wii like, uh, around the, uh, a couple, like a year or so after they first started coming out, I think. And then we got, we got an Xbox 360, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And it, it just, I mean, even though I was always like, Ooh, look at all the cool stuff on the things. I was always like handheld stuff and it was not. Yeah. So I'm like, even when it gets into the more, you know, stuff that's more of my time. I just, I had no clue what's going on. See, I had uh, an Atari 2600 when I was a kid. Uh, I had a, a cousin who had the Intellivision, which was, uh, I think I mentioned that it's the one that has the, the keypad thing with the little disc on it. That's kind of like uh, sort of like a disc for an Apple old Apple iPod. And uh, then mm-hmm. when I moved to college. Uh, that was when, the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis were coming out and I had a Sega Genesis and I played the heck out of that. But after that, I pretty much dropped out of the console. So I was never there for the P- PlayStation or the PlayStation two. Uh, when we got kids, uh, I finally ponied up and got a Wii because you know, it's a pretty kid friendly game. And just last Christmas, my daughter asked for an Xbox 360 because for some reason she wanted to play connect games. So we got the Xbox 360 with the Kinect, and now you know I you know I like it, but I've always been a computer person. If I if I play games, it was usually uh, like first person shooters, like Unreal and stuff like that on the computer. So it, it takes some getting used to, especially playing the games, especially the first person shooters with the the keypad. I've never been able to, or I haven't been able yet to get it down right, but. Yeah, no, I was always never good with those the the shooters. I'm like, whew, I've, I like. I'm, 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 I'm not quite like. There's some people that they just can't do them because like they get, it makes them like physically ill to just to watch. Not not like violence. It just I just like that gets them yeah motion yeah. sick and emotional. but I just I just was like just a sh- terrible shot. <laughs> well, <laughs> it could not hit a thing. I, I I'm better you know with keyboard and the mouse. I'm okay. But you put me, you put one of those Xbox or a PlayStation controllers in my hand, and I'm, uh, I'm gonna get nailed twenty different ways from Sunday. Yeah, well, mostly what we've been playing is we've been playing like the we got the, like the Lego games and stuff, which is which is which is hilarious because I'm just like and stuff that we're playing like with like with my parents and with my my sister who's only a couple years younger than me and and you know. And we're just playing these games that are like meant for kids and stuff. It, they're really fun. They are uh, fun. They're, they're they're really they're really pretty clever games as well. And they uh, I I've heard the I haven't played the DC Heroes two, but uh, I've heard it's really fun. And I'm looking forward to see what they do with the Marvel superheroes Lego game too. Yeah, we have the we have the we have the uh, the, the superheroes too. But like we got it for my dad, so since he hasn't played it yet we haven't played it yet so but yeah. it's but we've been playing we've been playing the the i don't know we got the the harry potter stuff and the cool. my sister just started playing the uh, uh pirates of the caribbean one which i didn't even know they were i mean i knew they had pirates of the caribbean legos but i didn't know they had a game of it and apparently it's pretty fun too we've got another email this time uh from a frequent writer to the uh, just one of the guys show from what's Mr. that <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sorry. Of it? Don't worry. No one else has either. Um, <laughs> Mr. Luke Giaconetti wrote in with the title, US-1, a.k.a. White Lion Fever, The Next Generation. Luke writes in, Breaker Breaker 1-9, this is cool, LJ. Anyone up out there got their ears up? Yes, Luke, we do. So, uh, The big rig trucker has long held a romantic place in American culture. Going back as far as the 1930s, they were often romanticized and glorified in country and western songs. By the 1950s, truckers were seen as the antithesis of the quote-unquote company man who worked in an office and was disconnected from the quote-unquote real world, materialistic and shallow. The open road was the symbolic was symbolic of the great wanderlust of the American spirit, and this connection was only made stronger in the pop culture sense as we got into the 1970s. White Line Fever is probably the best regarded and remembered pure trucker B movies of the 1970s, which is to say the trucker's movie is not called Smoking the Bandit. In it, our hero, CJ, takes on corruption and smuggling amongst the shipping industry, sort of an open road version of Walking Tall. This film epitomized the, the decade's ideal of the trucker as the modern-day cowboy, riding the long, lonesome road and helping those in need. The man in the big truck became the bicentennial version of the man in the black hat from the spaghetti western. The independent trucker was the man who had no master, who went where the road took him and followed the call of the horizon. The whole romanticized concept once again. You know, I could I could see the sort of ideal of the trucker in the 70s being the, uh, uh, being the analog for the for the sort of spaghetti Western uh, anti-heroes that were put forth in like Sergio Leone movies. I could kind of see that. Uh, I've never heard of this white line fever. It's uh, kind of out of my wheelhouse. Uh, I've heard of uh, movies like Convoy. And of course, everyone I think has heard of Smoking in the Panda. Have you ever heard of that movie, Jay? Uh, no, I haven't either, which is interesting. I mean, yeah, it sounds, you know, sounds like it could be good. I don't know. I, mm. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of overlooked movies, in movies but, uh, Luke continues, he says, with that, the concept of US-1 is actually not a bad setup. It seems ridiculous now. Oh, you don't even know the half. <laughs> but I could I see why this book was produced. A modern-day drifting cowboy gunslinger, or, if you prefer, a masterless samurai wandering the country. Luke, I think you're reading too much into the book. Uh, I think you'd get a lot yeah, of knowledge. None, none of this stuff ever happened in a Sergio Leone movie. None of this stuff ever ever happened in in a in a kurosawa movie not even close like <laughs> you'll never see you'll never see uh you'll never see clint eastwood you know carrying a load of chickens you know across the country being fought by uh, lee van cleef in a blimp trust me uh, <laughs> that would be awesome though wouldn't it <laughs> uh luke continues i think you could get a lot of mileage get it mileage out of that concept the book Nomad, which actually ran this sort of concept a little bit in the 1990s. Jack Monroe, the one-time Bucky to the one of the non-Steve Rogers Captain Americas, and his adopted daughter traveled across the country on Jack's motorcycle. And wherever they ended up, Jack would find trouble and deliver his brand of harsh, some would say ruthless, justice. The gimmick of the open road offers a chance for our hero to find a new bit of trouble to get into. I don't know why they didn't go in this direction with US-1. That's what I would have done with it. Personally, I like this sort of movie, which would have starred Chuck Norris, who also did a trucker movie called Breaker Breaker, which actually I have seen. And it is it is uh, amplified. Chuck Norris's movie Breaker Breaker is amplified by the uh, addition of the Riff Tracks version of it. If you guys haven't seen that, check that out. Uh, Riff Tracks are the guys from Mr. Science Theater doing their own audio commentaries for movies. So. Mm -hmm. uh, 
He mentioned also Charles Broughton, George Kennedy, or James Coburn. Of course, the fact that US-1 showed in 1983 is also incredibly indicative of Marvel's predilection for marketing books based on gimmicks long after the gimmick was dead, as you said. This book would have been perfect in 1976. By 1983, it was a bit, a bit of a stretch. But this was the same as they did with The Dazzler and Master of Kung Fu and the other martial arts books. So this was doomed from the start. On a serious note, uh-oh, I take issue with huh? saying that race drivers are not athletes. Oh, here we go. Race car driving, including stock car racing like NASCAR, is an incredibly physically demanding sport, which requires split-second reflexes and a lot more physical active ability than you might think. Stock car racing has certain challenges not present present in other forms of racing, as well as purpose-built racers, by which I mean formula cars such as Formula One or IndyCar here in the U.S., or enduro racers like champ cars or supercars, are designed specifically for racing, whereas stock cars have to at least follow the silhouette of production models. So the car itself is actually fighting the driver to reach the speeds that it has to be pushed to. But this is coming from a race fan, so I may be more biased. Well, I don't think we said um, that that uh, race car drivers weren't. I'm not sure if I would say that they were not that they were athletes or anything. I'm mean, not not that they, but but I, I think it was more that um, that they weren't necessarily um, that that didn't automatically make you a hero. Yeah. And uh, it's Papa Wheelie is certainly not a hero, no matter how dangerous that kind of racing might be. No, I agree. And- I actually had a conversation a little while ago with Luke Giaconetti about this, and I agree with him. It is – you have to be incredibly skilled to be able to drive at that kind of speed. You know, I, uh, If I get going over you know, 75, 80 miles an hour driving on a straight highway, I get nervous. These guys are doing double that, and they're having to deal with a bunch of other cars back and behind it. So it is a, it is a, a, a sport that takes a skill to do. But, you know, when you think of it compared to like uh, football or uh, hockey or any other type of uh, sport, which is an individual sport, uh, you know, it it it's 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 a different aesthetic, I guess. So, yeah, like I mean, like I feel like it maybe is more along the lines of like, you know, bowling or golf as far as like the amount of exertion required, maybe maybe a little bit more. But it's obviously the thing with uh, racing is uh, compared to like bowling and golf, there is a way, way higher chance that you will die. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's been too many uh, deadly golf injuries unless people been playing golf when it's been thunderstorming around. But hopefully, oh, I don't know. I mean, like uh, when you get one of those things going fast enough, like I mean, if you got hit by a golf ball, that can I mean, that would hurt. Those no. things are not those things are not uh not hard, not uh, comfortable. Uh, I'll, uh, granted, I'll give you that. That's why they that's why they say four to warn you so you don't like, you know, get a hole knocked through your skull or something. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, Anyway, Luke finishes up saying, anyways, enjoy the show, dude. Yeehaw. Luke Giaconetti. Well, Luke, thanks for writing in. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, you enjoyed this show. Uh, It's great to actually hear from people. And it's great to actually hear that people listen to the uh, show that, you know, was supposed to be kind of uh, April Fool's thing, but actually wasn't. So. Thanks, everyone, for writing in. Uh, if you want to write in, I'll go ahead and tell you this. Uh, you can write in to the show at just one of the guys podcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or uh, you know want to basically chat about you know truck drivers or IndyCar racers. 
It's mm-hmm. awesome. But that's the end of the email right now. So uh, I'll go ahead and say that I will start out with my coverage of the first book we're going to be talking about tonight, US 1, number 3. There but for the grace of God go I. <sighs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, US 1, number 3 was cover dated 19, July 1993. 1993, 1983, with a release date of March 29, 1983. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for uh, the cover date for that. Cover price was 60 cents US, 75 cents in Canada, and 25p UK. The title was Rhyme of the Ancient Highwomen. Written with tongue-in-cheek by Al Milgram, penciled with a fine technique by Janet Frank Springer, inked with hardly a leak by Mike Esposito, lettered with nary a peak by Michael Higgins, Colored with brush antique by Paul Beckton, edited by a man with a very large beak. Really? Ralph Macchio, and supervised with an eye toward critique by Jim Shooter. The story opens already deep in some strange cutscenes as we see Ulysses Solomon Archer fighting to keep his 18 wheeler under control as he's rammed by the black rig of the high movement and lashed at by the hypno whip. of the diabolical Midnight. The duo halt the long haul of our hero, allowing Midnight to lash away at U.S.'s skull, ripping the flesh away from it and revealing the metal plate which allows him to receive CD radio signals. The agony of the lashes causes U.S. to scream out in pain, then suddenly awaken from the terrible dream. Hearing the wailing, Mary McGrill, Papa Wheelie, and wide load Annie, rush from the shortstop diner to see what's going on with her feather-haired friend. Mary tries to comfort the sweaty shirtless archer by pressing her ample bosoms against him, while Papa Willie offers him a nice cup of coffee. Strangely, U.S. chooses the coffee route as he, is Papa. he and Papa head to the diner to be served a cup of joe by Mary. We're treated to the Thomas DJ style U.S. recounts the day the Black Rig forced his brother's truck off a cliff and how he barely survived. Surprisingly, trucker Lee Van Cleef, fresh from his stint on the show The Master, overhears the mention of the highwaymen and starts his very own... It seems that the highwayman was originally one of the best truckers around, but old age and technological advances in truck driving... technology left the Jaime man out of luck. But rather than do the logical thing and, oh, say, buy a new truck to keep up with the upstart long callers, he seeks out mystical and malevolent forces to aid him in his mission. Eventually, he found a way to keep up with the younger truckers, but it required him selling his soul for his Evan 18 wheeler. The old man rises and tells U.S. that he was lucky to survive one encounter with the highway. As he leaves, he recommends U.S. not tempt fate again. Our hero then runs after the only Occidental man to become a ninja, and then become a trucker, for more information, only to find that he has disappeared. U.S. re-enters the shortstop, wondering how he can find out more about this mysterious hydrogen, and the answer comes from slutty redhead Taryn O'Connell and her private detective partner, Retard. Well, oh, no, I'm sorry. Retread. <laughs> 
Okay. U.S. dodges the advances of the die job Daisy Duke wannabe and engages in a conversation with Reach finding that he used to travel with a group of people and a talking dog solving mysteries. Reach says that he saw Master Ninja heading north from the U.S. from the shortstop, and U.S. grabs the exiled Scooby Gang member to give chase. U.S. and Retread power up the hero's big rig and eventually ca- catch up with the truck holding the bad, or maybe it was the ugly, I forget, until they're fired on by trucks that were following the old man. Some fancy driving, some fragmentation grades, a smokescreen, and the radar built into the rig allow our heroes to get away from the attacking truckers and find a hiding spot on a nearby cliff. U.S. and Retread look to, the, look to rescue the old man from the truckers, but Retread botches the operation by slipping off the cliff and firing the flare gun. Not the distraction he was hoping for, U.S. pulls his rig near the stunned old man and engages in some metal skull-bashing fighting McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, or The truckers overpower him, but U.S. uses his swanky USB Anthony dollar coin to activate the remote control in his rig, freaking the truckers out. U.S. tries to draw, drag the old man away from the ray, but in the process rips the skin from the old man's face. Rather than this being a scene from Pol- Guys, shown that the old man was actually the highwayman in disguise. And with that, the cackling criminal boards his big rig and takes off, leaving U.S. and Retread wondering how much of the story was actually true. I got nothing in common with any man who's home every day at five. All I do is drive, 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 drive. If I can get the fuel. And there you go, US one number three. Uh, Jay, go ahead and hit us up with notes. Uh, this should be interesting. But yes, uh, this is something else. Because I think, I mean, just as an overall, like my first uh, f- first thought is actually I hadn't I hadn't thought of your uh, comparison of Retread to a member of uh, the Scooby Gang, but it's that's fairly accurate, especially considering the way this issue ends, which is exactly like an episode of Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but look, the the cover is really really awesome. Uh, obviously, uh, it's it's pretty it's 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 a pretty sweet uh drawing of uh the truck with yeah it's some a- sort of like a de- like a demon guy standing on top of it and it's ro- it's getting run off the road and there's uh little demons in a yeah it's kind of around it it's-, it's got a very raiders of lost ark feel at the end of it when they've opened the ark of the covenant and uh, i like michael golden's artwork on the covers that's that's one thing that i will give for the book the covers are really dynamic and for a book that's about a guy who's driving a truck, you know, it, it's not probably a big sell up next to, you know, like the Hulk and the Fantastic Four and all that. But the cover is really dynamic, and it kind of it kind of does help sell the book, definitely. Mm-hmm. Though I have to say, oh, I really, really hate the cover copy. That was the rhyme of the ancient highwayman, which is well, first of all, it's a stupid pun on the on the old uh, mariner Mariner, yeah or or, or, i guess it's not even a pun because it didn't sound like that at all except Mm -hmm. for the right but then it's just that it's you know and then i feel even worse at the end of the story because it 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 comes down to uh you know oh because the ancient highwayman because he's really just the old dude in disguise and he's you know oh he's apparently 
been working since the dawn of the trucking the, and it's and it's just like oh so not, not only um you know if i'd actually been paying attention i guess i could have seen the stupid ending telegraphed on the cover i guess <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah the the title doesn't do doesn't do justice to the actual original you know poem that it's based on but uh, sometimes oh, they just uh, pull titles out of their backsides on oh things. yeah i mean like that is that is stan lee to a to a t that's, that's marvel Mar- marvel comics to a t. maybe not so much at this point and it's in its uh history but uh especially in the 60s and 70s they would just take um when the story was bad you could tell just by how many like literary references that they were dropping to make you think that this was not a piece of garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> just... no i i i know I, I remember an episode of the fantastic cast where uh, Stan put in uh, La Infanterible. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. Could, uh, manipulate, uh, you know, warp reality and stuff. And it was complete misuse of the idea. Uh, but, yeah. And the, it was also not a very good story either. No, I recall it not being very good either. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I do that. Yeah, the splash page is a, oh, that's a mess, though. Like, I mean, especially when you just look at it after seeing the cover, like, it is not not frank springer's best day i mean yeah, unfortunately uh i'm trying to remember who was the no tr- well i don't know, uh trimpy did issue oh, yeah, issue here. issue one oh, but yeah. uh but actually i think um i i wanted to say that spring uh, i'm gonna say springer was the taking the thing on on uh, issue two but maybe maybe i'm just mm-hmm. oh no no it's not never mind was Trimpy uh, that, on one and two? Trimpy was on one and two. I, I've, I just I thought it was different. It was different art, but actually it was just because he he inked himself on issue one and he was inked by Mike Esposito on issue yeah. two. See, I I agree with you. The you know the cover art by Golden is it's a lot better, and the interior art with uh, Springer and I don't really know uh, what kind of stuff he's done, but it's not all that good. It's still in the Marvel style, but it's just not as good as Herb Trimpy's art. But I guess. Uh, Trim people was probably pulled away to do other stuff. Yeah, I think there's something in the uh, somewhere. Uh, I forget, maybe it's the letters column in this issue or something. But uh, some something about he had to go off to do something else. No problem. More more, more important than this. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think what I'm most familiar with Frank Springer with uh, is that he did a lot of he did a lot of uh, the artwork in Dazzler. So I oh mean, well, there you go. I think he's one of those guys that gets maybe unfairly maligned sometimes when, uh, in some case, cause like, like, I don't know, I hear like, like when Al, Al Milgram used to be, was doing more drawing and stuff like where, like he would get, or, or Sal Buscema who like, they would just get, you know, not, they're necessarily bad artists, but they would just get the, um, you know, they would get the cruddy assignments because they could pull it out on time, but then they would probably end up being doing something, you know, not not their best work because they were just you know uh, yeah. pulling it in over a weekend and stuff and that being unfairly maligned for you know just doing their job and not you know you and know. I, I know shooter was big on making sure that the books came out on time and when you're trying to do that i guess sometimes you have to skimp on the whole beauty of the artwork i mean it's serviceable i mean it's not horrible artwork but it's uh it's kind of a step down from what trimpy was doing but you know if you have yeah. to meet deadlines i understand that and, mm-hmm. and, I, I, understand I, would, and I would and i would and i would say better. i've seen him do better 
Okay. I think. But I don't know. I do like the the um, old timey credits though. That's I enjoy that. So yep. That's the Mary. P- okay. Okay. They did. They didn't. They didn't take a dump on the letterer though. So that's nice. I don't yes. Because that that seems to be the thing. Is you know whoever the letterer is. Yeah, that's the person who gets sort of maligned in the uh, credits. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the exposed skull on the the page too. Though. That's kind of like I don't his face looks completely different than where it does anywhere else in the book. But I just love I mean, it's a cool angle of like seeing him from behind with the, all the circuitry and stuff built into there, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's a nice uh, look there. I mean, I think yeah, the, the face is really weird though. No, I agree. His his face does look off, but the I, I I'm always wondering if the skull actually had circuitry in it, or whether it was just a metallic skull that somehow amplified uh, CB signals so that he could hear them. But it does look like here there is some sort of the you want to say the Kirby tech in it. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that's what it looked like, and uh, when we've seen it other times, I think. Uh... And probably most notably on the cover of uh, issue one when they had his head mm-hmm, open thing. Um, but yeah, I got to say that was the scene when he, he's waking up from his uh, freaky dream. Wow. That dude is cut. Yeah. Like, he's... I mean, like that is, I mean, I, I, I I've, I've only met uh, a couple of truckers in my life and <laughs> none of them are uh, very happy or uh, fit people. I'm kind of skinny, but like, I mean, wow, wow. I mean, like that, that is a dude who works out like yeah. all the time. Well, maybe he's got exercise equipment in the truck. I mean, he's built in smoke screens and grenades in it. And, you know, the, the, I like in that panel that he's still wearing the uh, blood soaked bandage from his surgery as well. That's all. That's, that's a nice bit of continuity. Hopefully that'll uh, stay throughout the rest of the books. Yeah, I don't know. I'm mean, like, I, I think it's just become a thing. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think maybe we're not supposed to think about the fact that it could possibly be that blood soaked bandage. And it uh, could just be like, it's just a bandana, right? I, I don't know. But I, I honestly, it, it, like I think we were saying before, I, I don't think there's necessarily any reason to think that it isn't a blood soaked bandage. I know. And I'm going to continue to think that it is throughout the entire, Absolutely. entirety Absolutely. of the book because that's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Whew. Mary is getting friendly, especially when he has no shirt on at all. Yeah, she's and and we don't and we don't see what's going on under the blankets either. I mean, he could be sleeping in the buff for all we know. So well, that's you, very friendly. If you look at that uh, fifth panel on there where he's got his hand uh-huh. on his uh, uh-huh. over his face, it doesn't look like the the blankets kind of low on his side and it doesn't look like there might be anything under there so yeah i mean like it looks like i guess i didn't notice that but yeah it looks like it goes like there's nothing on like all the way down to like the curve of his yeah. buttocks like yeah. i mean there's there's i mean i guess he could be they could be like his pants could be like slipping off or something i guess if you really wanted to make that kind of thing but yeah it looks like he's naked under there and i also wonder why they have initially i thought why do they have like a bedroom right at the back of the shortstop until until i realized that you know in the in the first comic they said that us and his brother jefferson grew up here so they must have had a bedroom in the back where they slept at night so it it kind of makes sense that there'd be a bedroom. yeah and i must and and i had always sort of thought that that um that annie and uh and uh papa wheelie left lived lived there i guess i don't know i mean this wouldn't have had to but 
I hadn't been led to any other conclusions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Papa Wheelie trying to help, that is not a great idea, I don't think. Um. <laughs> well, he, he's offering the typical you know, man solution as let's drink some coffee. Because that always works. That's always. Oh yeah, yeah, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not faulting his intentions. I'm just saying, I'm not sure if this is gonna go well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like. It's really scary though. The last panel though, because like he's, you know, he's got this like far off. U.S. has like this far off look in his eyes, and he's got like sweat dripping down him, and he's like, "Sure, Papa, whatever you say." Like, you know, he's. I'm mean, either. I don't know. Either like, it could be one one of two things. Either like he's just like totally uninterested and thinks that this, um, you know, he's like, oh, I gotta go listen to him talk for another hour because I don't want to make him feel bad or, or like something creepier, like, yeah. you know, like he's being abused in yeah. some way. Like, you know, this is when the bad <laughs> touch is going to happen. Exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, uh, I don't like that panel. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> uh, I'm concerned on the next page that, you know, after U.S. gets dressed, Mary has just gone back to serving coffee and everything at the uh, at the diner. I'm hoping that she at least washed her hands after touching shirtless, sweaty, possibly naked U.S. one. So, but who knows? It is a it is a truck stop diner, so you know, hygiene might not be the uh, highest quality there. I mean, I get possibly naked. Well, I mean, all the parts she touched were naked, so you know. Well, that's true. Uh, let's hope she didn't touch any. Other mm. naked parts. Okay, yeah. let, let, keep moving. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, we should be, yeah. I don't know, more family friendly in some uh, way. Whatever. I think, perhaps. Ooh, mysterious old man. Uh, this is, uh, I, I already don't care. Um, <laughs> mysterious, baby, bah. I do, I uh, do like on that page how he, uh, I don't know who he's seeking out, but they look like Doctor Strange villains. They look like uh, people, uh, I mean, if that's not... Well, the, I mean, oh, oh, sorry, I was doing the next, the next. Oh yeah, after, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, well, yeah. The ancient, the ancient one is, um, is, uh, yeah. That's actually, I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, the, um, because yeah, that's the ancient one. That's, um, Doctor Strange's mentor, the guy who, you know, he learned all his mystic arts from, and who used okay. to be the Sorcerer Supreme or whatever. And so I, I have no idea who the other was it, oh aged genghis grant me i don't know so like is that something like genghis khan or something i'm not really I sure what exactly that is don't know but he does he does kind of just uh smack him down he's like what's that youth you say do i look like one who knows about the secret of eternal youth and he's he, re- he really doesn't <laughs> well he he's a, he's obviously in a diaper and it's i know <laughs> it's really it's it's he is an upsetting looking character he has and like a diaper and a and a cape as well I mean, yeah. that's. Uh, I'll give it to. And him. he has He's two kinda... sets of armbands, one one on his uh, upper arm and one on his like wrists yeah. too. That's but he really is. Weird. I will get from this little uh, from this little panel. He is kind of cut, so I'll give him that. You know, he may not know about youth, but he definitely knows about oh, you know, the uh, PX ninety workout. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do really like the the panel of um the of the old man and then like the high woman like as as a as a young as a young man uh with the old old timey truck and like the newsboy cap and stuff i'm mean, like that's adorable like that's mm-hmm. just i mean it was it's i think it's a really really rendered well-rendered panel and like it's just such a it makes me feel good to look at it like it's like any feel oh, oh it's too bad this nice cute wholesome boy is gonna become you know sell, sell the soul to satan for an awesome truck apparently 
Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, how can you... You would, you would have to think there are better ways to get along in the trucking industry than uh, the devil route, but I, I guess you do what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I and to be fair, it's not just to get an awesome truck. He also does want eternal youth, so like maybe they just throw that awesome truck on top in the bargain, I guess. Maybe that just you know helps him be the be the servant of whatever that could ra- random devil this is upon the earth. I don't know. I think it's interesting, though, that, um, I mean, g- given what we know about who this mysterious man is, that um, he uh, actually tells them not to go and find the highwaymen. And even though he clearly wants to um, uh, meet, meet meet U.S. and spend time with him. And I mean, I don't know what what, it was, what exactly his intentions are. I, I don't know. But I mean, uh, well, obviously, since we find out at the end that the old man was actually the highwayman, you kind of have to think that uh, U.S. is going to be so obsessed because of his brother's death that he's going to seek out the highwayman regardless of whether this old man tells him to or not. So yeah. it's kinda, maybe he's maybe he's just messing with him. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. It was sort of reverse psychology. Oh, don't don't look for this man. I swear it'll only bring you trouble. You'll go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then, and then, cause, and then we get get around to the where where they're um saying saying the, uh, the I guess it's page um, seven. I noticed like yeah, um, I just say and and this is this is the point where I finally actually like on panel five or of uh, uh, page seven. I was the first time that I actually realized that Wide Load Annie has a uh, uh, Princess Leia hair, which I didn't notice <laughs> before. I, I was like, hmm. Yeah, she does have the she does have the cinnamon buns on the side. That is very, I guess that's very trendy for that. Well, no, because this was around the time of Empire Strikes Back. This came out in mm-hmm. '82, so uh, Leia would have been out of the the cinnamon bun thing. So that's uh, one more strike for Marvel. But you know, uh, maybe she had the that look in the Marvel Star Wars. So who knows? Well, I mean, eighty eighty three. This would be after. This would be after. Um... Oh yeah, this is that. That's that's after the that's release of Return. Return of the Jedi, and oh gosh, thank goodness though, um, Wide Lenny is not wearing that bikini. Oh, Dodge the bullet there. Thank, thank God in heaven. But yeah, and it's interesting. Like um, the Papa Wheelie uses uses eyewash as like I guess as a replacement for the word hogwash. I guess something like that. It sounded like like oh, this was all a bunch of bunch of bullpucky or whatever. But like. I've never heard the word eyewash used in that context. Before. Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense that hogwash would be an offensive word or something that they'd have to get by the comics code or anything. So it yeah. it is it is sort of a, an aphorism that I don't I don't think works. I mean, hog, well, hogwash sounds yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I guess I, don't, I mean all I know with eyewash is like you know when I'm you know being in the being in the chemistry lab in high school and like that's what you use in case you spill something in your eyes and to be safe, I guess. But I don't, which is a good thing, and I I don't think that's uh, nonsensical at all. I think exactly. eyewash is eyewash is a good thing. You should keep those around when you're handling dangerous chemicals. Definitely. Yes, and now uh, we have the uh, most unfortunately named sidekick since Chop Shop, uh, Retread, as mm-hmm. I believe I said beforehand. Uh, this is, oh boy, that is unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah, um, it's nice to see Taryn back. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing mm-hmm. her in the uh, Slave Leah thing, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
But, I know. Uh, I love. I love her. And this is actually it was meant is that I love her in this in this thing. Like she calls she calls Mary the help, and <laughs> um and she calls and, and she's like, oh U.S., you're the love of my life, and or 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 actually she tells U.S. that he's the that she's the love of his life. I guess mm-hmm. which is which is, I mean she's like. She's like a bitchier MJ MJ Watson from like old sixty Spider Man <laughs> comics, which makes her awesome. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the only thing is, uh, I'm getting the whole the whole trailer part, the, the the lot lizard thing coming from her, and you know, all I can see is us saying to her, "Look, Taryn, I'm sorry, it was just a quickie in the parking lot. It doesn't mean what you think it means." So. Oh. Well, okay, maybe she'll I, turn out I, to be the actual love of his life. Who knows? She seems she seems like the sort that you know might might that might you know people would people would talk, but I don't think that actually anything would be going on. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, maybe we will at some point during this. Maybe we won't. I'm thinking probably we won't know. Yeah. But... <laughs> I said it's interesting though, and then like, uh, but they they talk that that through this section though that they before um he goes off on a rush to uh t- to go and catch the uh to, to go and catch the old man like it seems like he's been gone way too long for them to catch up with them like i mean they i mean they've just been sitting here like having this like long leisurely conversation like you can see in the thing like you know they're having like a cup of coffee um us and retread and then suddenly what i mean like the um he's I, I i it's hard to suspend the disbelief that like the the old if the old man i guess if the old man wants them to find him they he, they will but like it's just um it, it's like why is yeah. why is <laughs> he should be way gone he should be like another state by now well if how initially... long this conversation is take if he initially left or if he was initially gone when us first went out to you know check on him why after you know Taryn and retread came in and they sat down and had a cup of coffee and had this lengthy conversation why would he think that he'd be able to catch up with him after all of that so yeah and also on on this same page i don't think it's a ringing endorsement for trucking saying that retread looked for all these jobs and finally couldn't find anything so he decided on trucking yeah. Oh yeah, and we're gonna get way more of that of these uh, jobs he used to have apparently, which um, I I feel like he's either have hallucinated these things or he is just <laughs> lying lying through his teeth. I mean, apparently he seems to have enough of the uh, associated skills because the plot needs them, but um, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, we'll find out later he yeah. was a, a meteorologist and he's a yeah. lawyer and we'll find out that he was, you know, a spy for MI6. He was also the first man on the moon. All this stuff. Is yeah, yeah, happen. yeah. I so. mean, which is I mean, I mean, just 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 I mean, meteorologist alone. Like, I mean, they don't. Yeah. You have to be uh, well-trained or like, you know blonde with a big set of knockers and uh either that i mean like that's True. that's that's the options you have and um uh he has neither of those things i mean it's like oh yeah yeah he just like you know bumming around doing odd jobs like being a meteorologist yeah that doesn't make any sense it does stretch credulity <laughs> oh yeah oh and i i was just making a making a correct that um where's where's, where's this thing oh yeah where, where um 
They say, oh, good. Um, oh, good. Uh, there aren't any turnoffs for several miles in that direction. And I was like, well, isn't there one in the truck right next to you? Which, um, but that was mean. I'm sorry. I no, that's, that is <laughs> because he says there aren't very many turnoffs. But then a few panels or a few pages later, we see the truck turning off on an underpass. So that's yeah. true. I, I, I was I was referring to retread. But um, oh, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was that was mean. I should I shouldn't make fun of the uh, pathological liars (laughs) society or whatever the heck is going on with that kid. I I don't know. Um, But yeah, I I like that. And there's like the scene where he like they get they get like ambushed by a bunch of trucks and like it looks like it's like a GI Joe like it looks like they're shooting lasers Mm -hmm. at the truck for some reason, which I don't understand. Well, and you know, it's, it's not like you can dodge that fast to get away um get get away from things that's really yeah i i'm just i do keep thinking of because i was um my dad was watching live free or die hard the other night which and there's a scene at the near the end of it where bruce willis is like driving us driving a semi like on a clover leaf and like you know ends up you know dropping it onto a fighter jet and it's it's pretty awesome but like i don't know that's yeah, not quite like this. I do, I do love though when he he uh he just pops past those things and they just the trucks and they just smash into each other and burst into flames. They're mm-hmm. all like, are all fall, all fallen over and on fire and it just. Though of course I guess I guess it must not be uh um it must not be lasers since um in the panel they're ma- they're making blam and bang and lying noises so i'm assuming that means they're actually shooting guns but yeah still. i think it's just the aesthetic show where the bullets are coming from and where they're headed yeah. so but yeah it is kind of difficult to show dynamic action with a giant 18 wheeler i mean they do they do a good job with it especially on that one panel you were talking about uh, how u.s speeds the two trucks who are trying to corral him and they crash into each other but i do love and there's like on the next where the page that ends with him saying the bombs are coming from above, which is like, that's kind of awesome and actually does sort of fit into the next, the next uh, issue. But that's, that's pretty cool. Just the, you know, it's like, yeah, well, kind of like, that's kind of terrifying. You're like, Oh, uh, I thought, you know, I thought I was just being chased by trucks. Oh wait, there's, uh, I'm apparently being bombed. (laughs) That is, that's terrifying. It's coming from oddly enough, a blimp, which is, which I believe is the natural enemy of the uh, 18. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Moving on to the next page after we meet the blimp U S drives just uh, on that, on that second panel there, the guys are loading up in the trucks because some of their trucks have been destroyed and the other truckers getting another truck. U S drives right behind them and they're getting into the back of these trucks and, they don't notice him and they allow him to get up mm. on this ridge. So. I didn't even I didn't even think about that, but that's yeah, that's insane because like um yeah, first first of all, I mean like if if their their trucks aren't running and their trucks are making no noise, um that would mean uh, presumably that I mean th- these uh I mean semis are not quiet. So no. I mean they would have heard him from way, way farther off than when he stops. And yeah, so it did. Uh, maybe they're just ignoring him just to. And maybe set that's him what. Up. Maybe that's what the 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 old man told them. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. 
oh my gosh i'm not even sure i'm not even sure that i can't tell like at the end of this i'm like is this uh what what is up with these guys because are they are they um are, are they uh in some way in league with, with him the hireman or the, oh, I don't sorry, know. the old, are, the old are man they... um or they are they are they just um in some or they're just like uh some idiot i'm like it's hard to tell like i don't yeah because on the next page on the on that on the first panel up there they're all surrounded the old man but they're not you know threatening him in any way it doesn't look like they're going to to hurt him so it's looks like they're just having a casual conversation with him it's really odd Mm -hmm. Uh, and then yeah and then it's just like oh man i do love this thing though when um uh, even though I kind of hate him for it at the mm-hmm. same time, because he's, you know, I just wish he would be less stupid. But yes. um, when 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 Richard falls off the, uh, fall, fall, he's like falls down off the down, rolling down the hillside with the with the flare gun, and oh man, this is a great panel though, like where he's he's like curled up, like rolling down it, like a flare shooting off, and you can see all the all the extra uh, flare cartridges like dangling off of his uh, pants, unless those mm-hmm. are tampons or something. Right? I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're flares. I'm hoping but, they're flares. Yes. Uh-huh. But it's, uh, Oh, that's, that's pretty great. And then he's like, uh, going down and he's like flipping out and, and then, well, I'm thinking fire I'm, and oh man, it's pretty great. I'm, I'm thinking the, uh, I'm thinking the shrooms are starting to take effect on it. But, <laughs> I think um, so. I, I mean, it's like, it's like, I mean, look, I mean, it's like even on fire, this guy, apparent, I mean, I guess maybe he really has done all these great things because I mean, like he's his, his pants are on fire and, or his, and he's or his vest, or vest or whatever. And he's but like, and after he fell that fell down it. And then like, and then he still managed to somehow to like beat the crap out of like two guys at once. And like, he's, he's got like moves like Bruce Lee and while he's on fire and, I don't know how to understand that in thoughts that the, are not stupid. <laughs> the thing, the thing that uh, that annoys me though about it is on that panel where he is falling down the cliff. He says, "I'm on fire," and then afterwards he leaves this little quip. People always said I was a flamer, but this yeah, is ridiculous. Oh, right. That's what like I was like, what does what does that mean? Because the only thing I have ever heard that word used to mean, mm-hmm. again, like with the I like it's like the eyewash thing. I was like, is is like I'm like, are they making stuff up? Because like I only heard that used to refer to flamboyant homosexuals. Yeah, and that's what he, I was. Thinking. He seems like a lot of things, but he doesn't seem like that. And no, I don't know why. Uh, the, it doesn't really make any sense in the context. He I don't know. Seems, I like... He seems goofy. He seems sort of uh, kind of like maybe a bumpkin, but not yeah. in any way openly homosexual. So that's just a weird. Maybe that's just a a thing of the times and it was just a derogatory term that they decided to drop in the book because they felt at the time they could get away with it. So I don't yeah. know. Or maybe they don't even know what that word means. Maybe they just like, you know, maybe Al Mogram just like heard somebody call somebody else a flamer and didn't realize that that was like kind of an offensive term for gay people. Yeah. I don't know. He's just like, it's like, Ooh, Ooh, I should use that in this, in, in my script when the stupid sidekick gets set on fire. I, I hope they would be a bit more, knowledgeable than that but either way it's it is out out of place for the book it yeah it's weird i do like the like the, the, the cat there's like the caption as he's like uh skidding down the hillside says as a steaming mad retread 
uh, skids toward the menacing truckers, and I'm like, oh gosh, Th- thank goodness this scene only lasted a little a little while, so that they uh, did not uh, get to use all of the wonderful, I'm sure, uh, flame and heat related puns that they were uh, think- thinking of. Yes, uh, I'm proud <sighs> for that. And and there's a is a fun scene where like there's like idiot guy uh, elbowing us in the back of the head after he's already like beaten up a couple of people using it and then he's like oh yeah I'm gonna elbow him in the back of it I mean like that is just stupid yeah I mean I mean I can understand you don't know this guy has a metal skull but if you've seen him beat up two of two of your uh, friends with with uh headbutts or whatever you would think um that's weird i didn't know you could do that maybe i should be careful and not hit him in the thing that seems to be really really hard mm-hmm. i don't know i mean even regular hitting someone in the skull is like not i mean yeah it's it's gonna hurt them more than probably it's gonna hurt you. yeah it's a it's a hard bone it's eh, whatever um stupid, on the page stupid. after that Looking at that Susan B. Anthony dollar that he's uh, tapping, that thing is huge. I don't remember Susan B. Anthony dollars being like the size of the palm of your hand. Apparent, apparently, a a half dollar is big enough for your hand, though. But yeah, these things are the, the Susan B. Anthony. I don't remember being this, but yeah, this is huge. But I don't think they make coins that big. No. Oh, sorry. Anyway, but yeah, I do love the I do love the uh, robot truck to the rescue. Though. That's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Um, and then like the next page where it's uh, where the guy's yelling scatter. And then like, there's all that everyone is like running or like being thrown away. And it's, it's really, it's kind of, I mean, it makes me think of, I mean, uh, I don't think the draftsmanship or the, uh, you know, level of level of detail or things are quite up to that level, but it, it does make me think of like Kirby or something like just where everything is in, motion and it's just completely insane and Mm -hmm. that's definitely i think uh that's a really nice panel even though they're like there's some weird faces and stuff but i don't have any i don't have any really you know that pretty much ends my notes except for the fact that you know we get the reveal at the end that it was the the highwayman at the end yeah i was like i think i think my notes something like along like and we have the scooby-doo ending Mm -hmm. so i i didn't get that so yeah you know, yeah overall, i mean oh, and also and also like and then retread just like oh like coming out of nowhere eddie's he's like patting his butt because it's still like smoking and every that's 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 pretty amusing i think i don't know in its, uh, in its way in, in in the in the way that i don't like this character at all and i wish he would go away <laughs> yes i'm hoping that he's not gonna show up for much longer in the series but yeah overall you know not a not a bad not a bad story. I mean, it's got its goofy moments and the artwork took a bit of a step down, but overall it's still, it's still keeping my interest. So I'll give it that. Uh, do you want to take a look at some of the ads in the book real quick? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, whew, I guess, I guess start, we've got another one of these, uh, cracker Jack ads. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this time it's not basketball, it's baseball. So, yeah. And of course, if you win the playoffs, of course you're going to be rewarded with, sugary sweet candy coated popcorn always nice and and peanuts don't forget peanuts oh, yeah, peanuts, are, peanuts are good for you that's true yeah it is it's a healthy snack yeah a uh, few pages in we've got thor advertising the chicago comic convention and mm-hmm. there were some 
big names there. There's John Byrne, who was writing for the Fantastic Four at the time, and Walter Koenig, mm-hmm. and uh, Billy Moomy, which uh, I think we talked about this last time, with Koenig and Moomy being both on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. So, And, of course, the big scam of Grit, the mm-hmm. uh, newspaper that... He's right. Koenig's like, isn't he like doing something now? I think a comic, I think... I want to say that actually, like, it's like something like Blue Water or something. I mean, it's not it's not a high profile thing. Hmm. Like, like I feel like he is, but I don't know. Could be. Oh yes, yes, and our our, our favorite pyramid scheme. Yes. Yes, Grid. Uh, Surprisingly, there's not. I'm flipping through here. The, oh, there's the bubble yum ad again with the creepy little kid yeah. who doesn't know how to speak except for saying the name of the damn gum. Mm-hmm. it's still yeah it's uh, uh, upsetting i don't i don't feel comfortable yeah it's another one of those things where i'm like uh ab- we're like there's maybe a bad touch going on but mm-hmm. like i think it's like the kid is gonna give the adult a bad touch because that kid is terrifying <laughs> i don't like him it makes me feel weird <laughs> i do like the uh the middle the two-page advertisement oh it is great G- joe game by 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 former us one her- uh, artist herb trippy or i'm 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 pretty darn sure that's Herb Trippy. Yeah. There's no, there's not a signature, but I would lay money. That's that's who drew that. Now I mean, Trippy like, did the art for the GI Joe book, didn't he? Or, um, I don't. I mean, he, he did some issues. I don't yeah. believe he was like the. I think he, did, I think he may have like if it was like ongoing like on the uh, Transformers, but I, he did some he did some fill in issues on the GI Joe book. I'm thinking. What this? I could, I could be wrong, but I, I think that's what. This artwork is awesome. Unfortunately, you know, the game wasn't all that good. It was sort of a, if I recall, it was sort of a, uh, like, breakout type game. If you're looking at the graphic down there at the bottom, mm-hmm. got the big cobra that's shooting down at the uh, G.I. Joes who are running across the bottom of the screen. I think you had to deflect the shots from the cobra. So, oh yeah, it's kind of or, or maybe it's a, a, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, missile command or is that the one? Maybe. maybe the, I mean the one. The, you know, uh, no, oh, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking kaboom. space and, space invaders. That's okay. what I'm thinking of. You know, like where they have like the little shields and you move maybe. back and forth under them to not get hit. And I'm then thinking, the, I'm wondering if it's like this. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this game, Kaboom, where it's a game where this guy at the top drops bombs and you have to scroll left and right across the bottom to catch the bombs before they. Uh, in, in like buckets of water so it looks kind of like that but but the artwork for uh i don't know maybe this is i'm assuming this is duke and the cobra commander here is really nice it is yeah it's good yeah. Art, good artwork there so, i mean obviously the one is cobra commander yeah. uh it might not be duke i'm assuming that it is but uh, a few pages in we get the hodgepodge page with uh you know, the yeah. typical stuff. Uh, oddly, here's something that they've started advertising again. I don't understand. For weight on, for ways to gain weight and build muscle mass. And I don't know about you, but I have never had problems with gaining weight. So people who have problems with gaining weight, you can go straight to hell. I I had a girlfriend in um in, in high school that, that did actually have a problem, like stuff going wrong in her side her body that was like not processing the nutrients correctly and it was okay. not it was not and she had to like get lots of surgeries and it was not fun. but like no like these these are like i mean this is for like people that are like er i'm such a scrawny weakling and i, I feel bad. i mean like i don't know what's your yeah. problem i mean i guess I, I understand being um uh being i guess there was a time when i was 
might have had that problem, but I guess I, I'd never wanted to be bigger than I was yeah. and have gotten bigger than I want to be. <laughs> hmm. uh, next page, we've got an ad. Wait, for... wait, oh, wait, sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm oh. just curious. There's some weird stuff on this. I mean, we get a um, like there's a, a slam dunker on this on there. It's like uh, increases your jumping ability six inches in six weeks. Uh, what, I mean, that sounds like one of those like losing thirty pounds in thirty days. That doesn't make. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe 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 it's possible but like that just seems like i don't think you can do that it doesn't that seems stretching stretching credibility i think well i, I think that's kind of the the premise of these hodgepodge ads that you know oh, it's oh, a yeah. bunch of stuff that they say you can do that never really works out so mm-hmm. and we and uh, apparently you can raise bantams chickens ducks turkeys guineas geese for hobby food and profit from a country hatchery in we woke a um Oklahoma. Oh I don't my know God! You... I do know where we woke. Is. <laughs> it's uh, it's not Wakita because Wakita is the tornado magnet of Oklahoma. But I know mm-hmm. where we we woke is. It is an actual small town in Oklahoma, and that that is I did not even reckon, I did not even uh, pay attention to that. But yeah, yeah, I was curious. I mean, it's one of those things like where oh, I, I wish I didn't know that. Like I was like oh yeah, I can tell you where Elma is and where Forks <laughs> is, but like that's that does not. Uh, you really don't want to go there, but that's <laughs> not. Um, the, and then it's and there and there's in the bottom things. There's like uh, Robert Bell Marvel Comics Group checklist and price list, and like that is the ugliest, most off model, upsetting looking Thor that I've ever seen. I mean, it looks like it was drawn by uh, like a three year old. It's it's it does it. You're like, oh, I guess it must be Thor since he has yellow hair and a helmet. Like that mm-hmm. is wow. That and it also looks really like he's bad. got. He, it also looks like he's got a really badly misplaced bicep tattoo there too, sort of barbed wire going around his bicep, except <laughs> it's really low. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, we got a. So we got a subscription ad here on the next page. Yeah, with, which is. With which Wolverine. Is, I have never seen Wolverine look this happy ever in a comic in my life. I don't think that's. I, I'm assuming this must be like a scroll duplicate or something because. <laughs> I, Wolverine does not smile that widely. And he's got a very tiny head. I mean, that might just be the perspective on it, but yeah, that head is is small, especially compared to his arms, which look really huge. But uh, yeah, he's he is decidingly happy. Maybe he just kicked uh, uh, Scott Summers in the balls, and he's uh, gotten a try at <sighs> we Jean Grey. We can, we can only hope. Yes, yes, we can only hope, Drew. Oh, yeah, and they have, um, yeah, they're announcing the uh, upcoming Beast and Dazzler limited series, which would go on to be called uh, Beauty and the Beast, which was really very, very terrible. Okay, and, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. That was one of those, I mean, like, compared to, I mean, like, there was a lot of those, like, little four-issue minis that were pretty good, but, like, that is was not good. Mm-hmm. Ugh, but, yeah, and then, oh, we got, we got the Dungeon and Dragons ad, which is... Yes, uh, which was, you know, the uh, look of this is far more entertaining, sadly, than a lot of Dungeons and Dragons games that I actually played. So, yeah, that's that's too bad. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, but that's um, that's yeah, that's pretty good art in it, too. Like there are oh, yeah. some of the other ones that were kind of. Yeah, know, some of the other ones looked like they were drawn by like, you know, <laughs> you know, 12 year old people who played far too much Dungeons and Dragons. It looks mm-hmm. like they got an actual artist here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, they've got, they've got Cody by uh, I guess it's uh, 
Steve Englehart and uh, or no Steve Lealoa and uh, no Steve Englehart and Steve Lealoa. Steve Lealoa. Okay, uh, two Steves apparently. Cool. Yeah, but it's yeah. Uh, it's a. Sort I need of... to get that book somehow. I didn't. I I don't know. Like I I like both of them to varying degrees. Lealoa probably more than Englehart, but. <laughs> I mean, just seeing this ad, like, I want to buy this comic. Like, I want to find it now. <laughs> it's a play on the whole National Lampoon cover where it's uh, the person holding a gun to the dog and the dog looking off to the side and saying, buy this buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Except here it's buy this book or I'll shoot this coyote. So it's an interesting ad, but it tells you nothing about what the story is about or what the comic's about. But it, it's it's, cat- it's a really it's a really good coyote i'll tell you that i mean like it's not the best i mean but like ooh, it's that's that's some pretty good uh, coyote anatomy i think yeah. <laughs> uh next page is another uh the olympic prizes for cash with the uh creepy sort of captain america type guy you know palling around with little kids and telling them what they can win for selling you know what- their body on the street um <laughs> Oh, I your... mean, so, I mean, I mean, sorry. Um, uh, 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 personalized stationery and gift cards. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you can get a guitar, or a keyboard, or a portable TV. Solid state. You yeah. get an archery set. That's pretty sweet. And for like only uh, only uh, and a, a tabletop organ. That's actually pretty awesome. I don't know if that would be any good, but like if it is, if it is, like that would be that'd be sweet. You get a. Two, two, two keyboards going. It'd be pretty sweet. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. Back inside cover has got the Tron games from M Network. So I've got Deadly Discs and Adventures of Tron. I think we covered this on the last show. There. I think I think so. Yeah. And uh, back outside cover has got. Oh uh, yeah. Late man comic book. So yeah, you just uh, send to the address and uh, oh my god, it's a Marvel book. Yes. It, yes, sir. It is. I actually. I. I um, I, I believe I, I, I've got this off eBay a while ago, and I think it's still in one of these boxes here somewhere. I think. Um, I, I, I never managed to uh, get up the nerve to crack it open, though. So I don't know. <laughs> now this is based, I think, off the uh, Kool Aid Man video game, which has one of the most mm-hmm. unfortunate uh, sounding enemies, the uh, Thirsties. Thirsties, yeah, no, that's. Ooh, boy. Make yeah. a horrible sound in the video game. Do they? The slurping. If I if I can. I was thinking about the other. Oh no! I'm sorry. No, sorry. Don't don't. Uh, I I was gonna go on a tangent that is um related to something else and is probably not appropriate for anything at all. So. What? That covers uh, issue three of US One. That ends the coverage here. We're gonna take a break. Come back and hit up uh, the coverage of US-1 number four. So stay tuned. The internet is really, really great. For Guy Gardner Podcast. I got a fast connection so I don't have to wait. For Guy Gardner Podcasts. There's always some new site for Guy Gardner podcasts. I browse all day and night for Guy Gardner podcasts. It's like I'm surfing at the speed of light for Guy Gardner podcasts. The internet is more.
Guy Gardner Podcasts. The internet is for... And sometimes Kyle Rayner Podcasts. Why you think the net was born? Guy Gardner Podcasts. Just One of the Guys is a weekly internet radio show dedicated to bringing you reviews, commentary, and a heartfelt defense of the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, the two Earth-based Green Lanterns who always seem to get dumped on. Over the next several years, I will be covering the Green Lantern books from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004. I'll also be covering the Guy Gardner solo series, as well as any other media that catches my fancy. The show can be found on iTunes by searching for Just One of the Guys podcast, or by going to the website justoneoftheguys.lips.com. So be sure to tune in every Friday for a fun-filled look at the Green Lantern Corps, hosted by me, Sean Ingall. It's just as enjoyable as the search for the subject that this song is actually about. Internet is for internet is for internet is for just one of the guys dot dot com. Just one of the guys does not officially certify that this podcast is more enjoyable than pornography. Hello, boys and girls. It's your dear old Uncle Joker. We've got an internet access here in Arkham, so I'm doing a little browsing. Hmm, lolcats, lolcats, porn, lolcats. What's this? Bailey's Batman Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to everything Dark Knight Detective. Well, Michael Bailey, where's Bailey's Joker Podcast, eh? We'll see about that. Harley! Get our things! We're going to Georgia! <laughs> hey everyone, Michael Bailey here asking you to check out my bi-weekly internet radio show, Bailey's Batman Podcast. Or at least I'm asking you to check it out while you still can, until the Joker shows up on my doorstep. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a hodgepodge-type show where I discuss all aspects of the Dark Knight's history. Comics, movies, animation, even trading cards and action figures. Everything Batman-related is fair game, and yes, that does include the villains, which includes the Joker, so he won't kill me. New episodes drop every other Tuesday over at www.baileysbatmanpodcast.com. The site also has links to the iTunes page, the RSS feed, my Twitter handle if you're into the social media thing, and the Bailey's Batman Podcast Facebook page. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Connection, which you can find at batmanpodcastconnection.wordpress.com. I really hope that's the UPS guy. Why can't I have Batman in my basement? And we're back. So uh, let's I'll start off here with the uh, synopsis of issue number four of US One. This issue starts, as so many do, at least in this series, with a bar fight. Retread tells U.S. about it as he is fixing uh, his bitchin' robot truck, which is awesome. The the two go in to break it up, but when a man flies out a window, which has apparently been fixed since the last man was thrown through it in issue two, 
uh, Retread decides he'll guard U.S.'s flanks, which uh, translated means he's going to lean on the truck and wait until it's over. Unfortunately, he is disturbed by a giant uh, shadow that he sees in the sky and runs in to warn everyone. We, we see a much shorter bar fight than last time with Annie dual-wielding bottle and frying pan and Papa Wheelie cowering behind an upturned table like the coward he is. After another dude breaks his hand on U.S.'s skull, they never seem to learn, uh, they go and see what Retread saw, a giant blimp, painted like a shark. The blimp's pilot lowers down. He is Baron Von Blimp, some sort of Teutonic doofus with an accent nearly as hilarious as his military uniform. He asks for U.S., and when he finds him, bitch slaps him with a white glove and challenges him to a race. Blimp versus Semi. Von Blimp explains that he's trying to reestablish the superiority of Blimp shipping by beating U.S., the best trucker out there. If he wins, Von Blimp says that he will tell U.S. about the highwaymen. Then, Papa Wheelie and Wild, Wild Lodeni try to dissuade U.S. from the competition, as he has some uh, Thomas DJ. Thinking about his accident. The Highwoman and Midnight with her Hypno Whip. Then he assures them that he is equipped to deal with the Baron because he has secret weapons. Then we meet the Great Chicken Colonel, CEO of Finger Lickin' Chicken, sponsor of the race and professional Foghorn Leghorn impersonator. The, uh, he explains that the winner gets exclusive shipping for the mode of transport that they represent. Mary gives him a kiss for luck, and he finds that Retread is not there to accompany him. When they are to shake hands, the Baron refuses, and U.S. claps him on the shoulder, leaving a tracer on the Baron. The Baron is dropping bombs on U.S. as the race begins, and U.S. responds with his secret weapon. It is tiny anti-aircraft missiles that do heavy damage to the blimp. Then suddenly a near miss by a bomb sends Retread rolling into the front seat from where he fell asleep in the back. I don't know why U.S. didn't check there in the first place, but there you go. He apparently used to be a meteorologist, and so he knows that a storm is coming. And for the first time in the entire series, U.S.'s skull is good for something other than beating people, as he picks up the communications between Von Blimp and the Highwaymen, learning that he is supposed to be brought in alive. He then uses the smokescreen trick that he used last issue to lead Von Blimp into the oncoming storm. Retread takes the wheel as U.S. uses a grappling hook to get on the blimp. He cracks a window in the process, throwing the Baron into a rage. U.S. climbs up and starts wrecking dudes in some aerial fighty McFightenstein. Copyright Andrew Lind. He fights the Baron, leading them to almost fall out of the gondola, as the storm buffets the blimp and the chickens are set free, U.S. gets back inside and calls the, inside and calls the highwayman, telling him that he can't hide forever, and the highwayman says that he wasn't planning to. Then U.S. leaves the beat the beaten baron as he lets the blimp fly free. Free, free, free. 
I guess I knew it was something to do with that. The first I ever seen her cry was after one of them things went by. Mama hated diesel so bad. Mama hated diesel so bad. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. You know, I'm coming to the conclusion that this this series of books is just a textbook example of how to write bad stereotypes. I mean, we've got the the very white bread hero trucker, the tubby overall wearing bumpkin, the morbidly obese grandmother character, the southern belle, the redheaded Daisy Duke wannabe trucker, the possibly ambiguously gay redneck, and now the over-the-top German stereotype. So I think if we add any more stereotypes to this book, I would be sorely surprised what they could pull it from, because they've got pretty much everything here. Everything on Earth, maybe. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of Southern stereotypes. And the, the, the addition of Baron von Blimp, just this... <sighs> Really strange carrier, and I I understand you know uh, having an aerial assault from a blimp. That's kind of a neat thing to try and you know take a truck out. Mm-hmm. But the idea that a blimp is going to be a cargo carrying device that's going to work better than than a semi truck is is ludicrous, really. But that that mm-hmm. may be just me. I don't know. I mean, like, it's uh, it probably would be faster, but like, there's no way that that gondola has enough room for um, to carry what you could carry inside the back of a semi. It just doesn't. Well, I I, I looked uh, I looked online, and supposedly for the uh, Goodyear blimp, you know, and I'm taking that as just sort of a standard, uh, the fastest speed that it can reach is 53 miles per hour. Now, granted, it can fly in a straight line. So it's not having to worry about, you know, twisting around mountains or going through tolls or anything. But still, traveling by blimp, you know, more effective than traveling by truck. Yeah, it stretches credulity. But, yeah. But uh, I'll go ahead and start out uh, with the cover. And again, uh, like I said, the the Michael Goldman covers I'm really enjoying. You've got uh, the blimp in the background. You've got the lightning striking with Baron Von Blimp, even though he's a ridiculous-looking sort of stubby, tubby, short character in his band leader uniform. He looks he looks disturbingly awesome standing on uh, U.S.'s big rig. And I also like the fact that the rig is completely entirely surrounded by chickens, even yes. to the point that uh, they're entering the cab. And I love at the bottom of the page where uh, U.S. is just sort of you know, shocked and dismayed with all these chickens, you know, surrounding him. So that's, yeah, I mean, like it even, it even looks like they're, I mean, that they're receding back into the, into the distance. Like there are just so many chickens that, uh, it cannot be contained by the curvature of the earth. It just continues <laughs> onto the horizon. That's how many chickens there are in this thing. I mean, like it looks like it's a solid 
wall of chickens as far as the eye can see. It's that is pretty disturbing. impressive. Um, let's see. Moving on to, I guess, the first page, uh, we get the fact that not only was um, not only was Retread a professional lawyer, and we'll find out later a meteorologist, but uh, on this uh, fourth panel, well, fourth panel, yeah, he says that he was also a professional bouncer as well. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that this is all a fever dream for uh, Retread here, and these are all just sort of uh, weird things that he either has said he has done or imagined that he's done in one part of his life, because I don't Mm -hmm. see him as a Patrick Swayze-type bouncer character. Uh, No, especially since his his, uh, reaction to the bar fight is uh, to say... um, yeah, I'm going to guard your flank and then just like lean up against the truck and do jack squat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm certain he's looking for more people who are going to come in and, you know, maybe he'll uh, yell out to them while they're in the right. bar. But right. not, he's not an effective uh, bouncer at all. New. No. Uh, next page, I've got to wonder what the insurance rate is on the... Uh, shortstop because they seem to have a lot of fights going on there and maybe they should put up some sort of a policy about allowing people who aren't of a high moral fiber to come into the uh, shortstop because they always seem to be getting into fights and bashing up the place in there so yeah i this is i I do really like it though this whole crazy panel with uh yeah papa wheelie cowering and and widely and he just like in there like i, I like liked that. how you mentioned her dual wielding the uh, bottle on the frying pan i i, I yeah. enjoy that that's very that's almost conan-esque yeah. i know i mean like she's she's pretty BA. i wouldn't i would not want to meet her in a dark alley that's for sure yeah well for more than just the reason that she well, might yes. beat you up yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but uh i i, I think we've, we've we've gone there a, a, enough times true uh <laughs> Then on then on page three we get the full on introduction of the blimp that we saw last issue and it's it's painted with the sort of uh, look of the shark from the Jaws poster so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of neat but uh, the that's title, kind of a, that's that's another dated reference huh? <laughs> yeah well uh, it's not surprising that Marvel uses references yeah. that at, aren't at, at least I I think that's a timeless reference at least well true I mean because they used. Uh, I'm pretty certain they used the same sort of image on uh, the second Jaws movie, except uh, instead of it being the girl swimming, it was the jet ski, I think. It was the sort of same image of the shark popping out of the water, you know, from the uh, bottom up. But it was the, uh, not on the jet ski, but it was the girl uh, water skiing, I think. But that could be me misremembering it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I'd take your word for it since I, I don't remember that. Yeah. I was not not really – I don't think I've ever seen that poster, and I certainly wasn't uh, at a time where I could remember it well, I wouldn't think, if I had seen it at all. Yeah. Uh, next page after that, we get oh, – Wait, oh, wait I'm sorry. I, I think oh, we ahead. should probably mention that the name, the name of this uh, story is Hot Air and Chicken Feathers, which I enjoy. I don't know. That's, yeah. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> Well, no, that is that is kind of a uh, both of both of the uh, terms sort of uh, lead you to believe that this is just a, kind of a throwaway story because you know when people are, are told that they're full of hot air 
or that uh, this thing's a load of chicken feathers. It's it's sort of it's sort of something that you say to diminish the uh, idea or diminish the concept that's going on. So uh, yeah, it works in this story. If you're if you're ready, uh, moving on to mm-hmm. the introduction of uh, Baron von Blimp. Who I guess is going to be a recurring character in the story because I see him. I've seen him in a couple of covers. Like I said, like you, I haven't read forward in this, so I'm going in this completely unprepared. But it looks like he's going to be a uh, a villain, and he is just he is all kinds of a goofy design. The from him being just this very uh, stout Germanic per- Germanic person to his over the top, almost. I think even U.S. quotes him in the book saying that he's got a sort of Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes type dialect. So yeah, just a really horrible German stereotype, but fun nonetheless. So I'll give it that. I do really love that uh, the panel, um, and that it's with uh, where he's coming in. There's just like it's a really nice uh, kind of down shot seeing just seeing everybody just looking up going like what the heck is up with this crazy dude mm-hmm. i mean and i mean it looks it looks pretty it looks pretty convincing too which is not yeah. easy with with uh perspectives like that mm-hmm. I, I will give springer the artwork in this book looks a bit a bit oh better. this is way better than last i mean yeah, i don't know Maybe he had more time this time out to work on the book. Maybe he was just called in at the last moment to finish up the third book, and he's actually been able to take some time here, because I like the artwork a lot more in this book. Um, on page five, this is one of the political things they put in the book, and it's page five, panel one, where Papa Wheelie's got the thought balloon thinking about uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the Teamsters will probably have something to say about that, as Baron von Blimp says that he's going to... Uh, uh, show how the blimp can overthrow truckers. So, uh, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, they're putting in Teamster references into the book. Eh. <laughs> I'd love to see the Teamsters get a, get a hold of this loser, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think, you, you think you, they couldn't find Jimmy Hoffa's body? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the, they be, will never find this dude ever again. There will be a couple of thousand cans of dog food. That, that will be bearing the uh, emblem of a blimp on them. I guarantee yeah. that. I do like this. Is my motto has uh, my motto has always been financial victory through air power. Which, <laughs> I mean, like he sounds like it just sounds like uh, some kind of like an '80s Nazi or something. Like you know, he's he's instead of instead of uh, like he's a corrupt businessman instead of like you know a war leader or something. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anything else on this page? Because my next note is uh, on pages six and seven. You know, wow. uh, we seem to be getting. Wait, 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 sorry, what what pages? What pages? I guess it? this is the pages where we get the flashback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we're. You know, I don't mind, and I understand this is kind of a trope of these books at the time how they'll you know sort of recap stuff, but for the past. You know, three books, I think we've had sort of recaps of what's gone on with the uh, U.S. and his life and the the metal skull in his head and, and uh, Midnight and the Highwaymen and all this. And I don't mind them, but it, to take up two full pages with a flashback, just it kind of kind of stretches things for me. And yeah. plus, 
plus I mean, the art the art's nice but yeah it does really seem to be kind of kind of a waste i mean i understand the idea oh every comic must uh, will be somebody's first especially since with this series i'm 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 thinking like shooter is probably afraid that um you know the only the only purchases he's going to get are ones by accident that people don't actually realize what's going on mm-hmm. in this book they're like oh that's interesting i and then they're like oh what oh he's blimp guy chicken what going mm-hmm. huh and, but uh, yeah so i mean i guess i can understand wanting you know oh this may like maybe they already they already know like the writing's on the wall and the series is not gonna last very long and we're gonna we gotta make sure everybody who reads it's gonna know exactly what's going on and and then on that page that's sort of the got the page with the u.s up in the corner and midnight and the highwayman midnight looks a bit off uh, you know she's got her uh her sort of skinny eye mask on but she's also got i hate to say it it looks like she's got a goatee if you're lo- and maybe it's just my thing but it looks like she's got black outline around her lips i think that's supposed to just be look i think that's just i don't know maybe maybe it's just on like those are the lips and that's her mouth or something i don't but, know but it's that, really you've got that you've got the black part and the little black dot in the center is that her teeth maybe i don't know uh, it's, it's just weird maybe look no it's i mean like it it's confusing enough besides the fact that i mean it looks like the head was drawn in a completely di- different perspective than the rest of the body i mean it's very confusing that yeah. i mean like that that is more of the like what the heck's going on like there like like there was at the end of end of last issue especially like where there was some some just like like there was one when retread is like falling down the hill and like his face looks like it's been melted on one side or something but uh if you don't have anything uh, going on to the next page yep. the, the only note i have for this page is i found it amusing in the fifth panel there the uh little sign underneath the shortstop uh, is the sign that says eat here and get gas. Which yes. I, I thought that was kind of amusing. I mean, you know, technically, yeah, you can eat here and you can also get gas, but I, I like the sort of pun there. I, I enjoyed that. And it's, I mean, it's not like a, 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 as it's not just a joke in the sense of like, I mean, yes, it's a joke, but <laughs> I mean, if, if you've seen, there are actually places that I guess our people just have not figured out that that's, that's, could be interpreted in other ways and i mean i remember when i was younger and used to we used to like go on like road trips on on in the summer and stuff and you'd see that all the time in places all over the country and they'd just be like oh ha ha ha, you guys are idiots or something i don't know but well i'm I'm hoping that in this case it was actually meant as a pun rather than it was just i'm pretty sure it was but you know you know and i'm thinking it is here so i'm hoping it's not them just not realizing that if you ate here probably the food would give you indigestion but yeah it's it's a fun little thing that i noticed on the next page the uh the colonel ah man that is a horrible outfit and and uh, and if you thought colonel sanders from kentucky fried chicken which is obviously who this guy is trying to Mm -hmm. parody looked ridiculous this guy takes the cake um kind of reminds me of the chicken lawyer from uh, Futurama. It's like, yeah, I'm just a you know, poor country uh, lawyer. Uh, I'm just a poor country hyper chicken. <laughs> now, Pramela, I know it's scary in that there witness box, but ain't no need to fear me. 
I'm sorry, I thought you was corn. Yeah, um, uh, actually, uh, who he reminded me of, and this is because of my, uh, love of the Green Lantern character, in the early, early issues of, uh, Guy Gardner, like mm-hmm. in issues, uh, four and five, was, there was this PR man that worked for Guy Gardner by the name of Bucky Sharp, and yeah. he had this, he had a ridiculous look that looked a lot like this, so, um, mm-hmm. I hadn't yeah. thought of that, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, and I, and, but he actually has, I mean, like, and I, I wasn't joking when I was saying that, you know, oh, I mean, I was joking, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, when I said he's a professional Falkor and Lakehorn impersonator, because he actually has, like, this, this speech pattern, he's like, welcome, I say, welcome, one and all, to the great chicken kernels, fowls of a finger-licking race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, well, again, stereotypes are, I think, what they're trying to get away with in this book and they're doing as many as they can so moving on uh we get the slap on the back of uh oh, wait actually I, I will say this is actually um and at the end of that that page is actually the first time that we see mary kiss us I don't oh know yeah that. i mean you know she's felt him up a little in the last yeah yeah issue, but, but like yeah no. never really given him a kiss so that's kind of at least, at least as far as we know I guess. yeah well it's kind of cute um again of course the baron you know won't accept us's handshake so he's obviously proving that he's a dickweed mm-hmm. uh and then of course you know you get in the third it's like panel come on you would think a baron would have better manners it's, that's it's true incredibly Ugh. but then us gives him the old slap on the back the good old american you know hey buddy you're all right <laughs> so yeah i don't care that you tried to bomb me out of existence the other mm-hmm. day it's all good. And of course, more stereotypes from the colonel. It's like, on your mark, mark, I say. Get, get, get set. See that? Go. Jeez. Wow. That's interesting that the panel where he's like asking them to make a handshake, he like seems to have like, to have lost like 30 pounds. Like he's just suddenly, I mean, he used to have like this huge paunch and something. He's like a skinny dude in that one. Like, yeah, there, there is a there. bit of. And, and even the Baron. Like in that same panel, the Baron had, I mean, maybe he's <laughs> oh, yeah, he looks, gut out, he but he like, looks yeah. a heck of a lot more uh, portly yeah, he, than he does. He looks, in, yeah, he looks, he looks like he's like trying to intimidate you as with his gut. He's like, <laughs> look at me, <laughs> feel the power of my mighty Teutonic <laughs> tummy. <laughs> oh, Lord. And, and again, a race between a blimp and a truck. I it, it i'll admit though that that's really that's uh, that's not stereotype i ever heard of i this is this is something entirely new i think uh, yeah i will I'll get, i will give them credit for um assembled for as it may be from like borderline uh borderline questionable parts it is uh definitely mm-hmm. never saw that coming no i don't have anything for the next page where they uh, take off with the blimp and then u.s uh, talks about slapping the tracer on him. Mm-hmm. Um, my next note was on the uh, the next page after that, where U.S. is looking up as the. Uh, oh wait, lip- I guess I guess I guess there is one. I guess to say that, and um, also Mary, Mary seems to be very worried about about him as well. So there seems to be more of that. You know, like it's not just it's not just Taryn is reading things into her behavior. She actually does have some sort of feelings going on. Okay. I don't know if that, that's maybe not super important, but mm. we'll see. Uh, and then the page after that, and we get more a political yammering from U.S. in the second panel where he goes, 
As if the president's new user fee on gas wasn't bad enough, after Baron Von Bozo gets finished tearing up the highway, the cost of repairs will triple our taxes. But taxes are the least of the worries. I'm going to have to hope to stay alive. Well, I'm sorry. But you know, then the U.S. goes on to talk about taxes. So I understand this is the Reagan era, and people are irked about you know what's going on with the government. But is this really the book that we need to be talking about? You know, Teamsters unions, and you know, are kids reading this going to be really interested in that? And are kids reading this? I don't know. <laughs> Is anybody mm. reading this well, except for us? We are. I don't know. I don't know. But I think I mean like it's it's a fair thing. Like I don't I don't necessarily begrudge it for that for that thing because it is it is certainly a uh, I mean at least the, the Teamsters that that's something that's related. You know, it's not like it's out of left field. Mm-hmm. To, and like in this too, like I mean, it, it, um, I don't remember like but how much exactly it is. But like I mean, most of the cost of gas now. And I, I think it might have, might have been then as well, but um, is is like the taxes that are on it in this mm-hmm. country anyway. So, which is, I mean, so I mean, it's I guess it's a fair thing, and it's a thing that you know realistically a trucker would be worried about. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, maybe it's it's heavy-handed politically, but at the same time, I I can I can understand where it's coming from too. I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm moving on to the to the next page. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that I noticed was in the first panel of this page is that US-1 mentions that he went to the University of Michigan Engineering Department. So he graduated go, from the... Go blue. Yeah. Well, the, here's a little um, thing that, uh, again, harkens back to the other podcasts I do. Another comic book character who went to the University of Michigan was Guy Gardner. So, I, and since we saw in previous issues that not only did U.S. study engineering, but he also played football, I have to believe that Guy Gardner and U.S. Archer played football for the University of Michigan at the same time. That would be so awesome. I am wanting for Jeff Johns... To, I'm wanting to jet for Jeff Johns to do an origin story with Guy Gardner playing University of Michigan football with U.S. Archer. I want that story, Jeff Johns. Make it happen, and he could do it. He's, yeah, or, or at the very least, they could have. I mean, because they had. I mean, the zero issue or whatever that they had that had a Guy Gardner origin in it a while ago. They 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 could have put him in the background at the very oh, least. I mean, like I how saw. all those. Like all those, you know, all those. Um, Some guy in a blonde feathered hair with a red blood stained bandana. That would have been so <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, like, it wouldn't have to be like those things, like where you see all the time, like where, you know, I mean, especially uh, you get a lot of like Clark and Lois and uh, Peter Parker uh, crossing over. Like, you'll see, you'll see them like in crowd scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where little it, Easter eggs. Yeah. But then, like, th- th- this would be just, like, the super obscure Easter egg that, uh, like, what, like, ten people would get? But mm-hmm. still. If that. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else on this page. Do you have something? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I was like, oh, that's cool. Because, I mean, that's where my, that's where my grandpa went. Um, oh, neat. University of Michigan. He probably also played had lots. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. My, my, uh, he's a little bit older than Greg. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, oh, okay. Uh, well, well, he, well, there you go. Well, or he was, you know, but that's, 
Um, but yeah, it was interesting. Look, I'm just saying that it looks like that the um, anti-aircraft missiles are coming out of the uh, the um, exhaust pipes. I think they're. I mean, the ones that are that come up alongside of it, which is yeah. kind of weird. I guess maybe if you use that as a propellant, but that seems. <sighs> I don't think I don't think it works that way. I think that you would probably have trouble rigging up a system like that. I'm not well, a truck expert, but I I feel like that might be slightly dangerous to put missiles inside of your exhaust pipes. Yeah. Well, I think better not thought about then. Yeah. Mm, I do I do like the, the Baron the Baron gets uh gets hit uh, by by something I guess in the uh. Um, but when the missiles are hitting the blimp and he's like, ah, I am smitten, which <laughs> obviously as, as the form of smite, but I, I just, I, I just found that, uh, use of the word very amusing. Mm-hmm. And for the, for this insufferable outrage, I will exact vengeance one thousand fold. Uh, stereotypes are fun. I do think it's kind of interesting, though, that like it's it's kind of like that um, that they're being apparently they're being ordered to uh, you know n- let him live, but uh, he's just like so pissed off that you know the blimp got uh, slightly damaged and knocked around a little bit that he is like I am going to murder this man. <laughs> It's like I, I yeah I don't I don't care what the creepy the creepy devil trucker said I I'm going to kill this dude. Yeah, well, he messed with his car, dude. You don't, I, I, you don't I, I, mess with someone's car. Yes, I mean, I, I suppose it's probably. I don't know how yeah. expensive a blimp is. That might be really. That's true. Might be a lot of money. Um, I don't have anything. Uh, the the I've got a panel, and you know, the only comment I have for the next page is great that retread shows up in this book. So obviously, we're going to see be seeing more of him. So yeah, yeah. I was like, that's the thing, though, and it's too. It's like he just pops out of there, like you know, in the the sleeping compartment. It's like you didn't think to check there. I mean, I don't know. And uh, I don't know if, if I, that's how sleeper compartments work in a truck. Maybe it is, but yeah, whatever. No, no, no I'm saying, I'm saying, why doesn't why doesn't U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. go and and check there? Because like I think, I mean, like you would think that, you know. Gee, I wonder where he is. Maybe he fell asleep in the thing. I mean, like, really, he is not all there. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just, uh, um, you know, he was just, like, sleeping off whatever uh, drugs he's on that's <laughs> making him think he's a meteorologist. Yes, because I, that's my comment on the next page that, you know, he he mentions, uh, oh, I've noticed these uh, clouds up there, these nimbus clouds. I think we could uh, get the highway, or not the highway, we could get the Baron to fly into him and it mess up his blimp. So, yeah, he's not a meteorologist. That's that's just bull. No, not. Yeah, and and I think I think I may have said that in in my synopsis. But yeah, this and then we get to see the first time where he actually uses his uh, CB skull as a receiver. Like mm-hmm. he's just um, <laughs> all the other times he's just hitting people with it, but now he's actually you know using it for a to you know he to eavesdrop on communications which is actually yes. kind of an interesting use for it but yeah i don't really have that many notes uh until it's not numbered but page 19 where uh us breaks into the blimp so if you've got something in between there i mean but mostly it's just sort of a fight sequence or a you know a chase sequence between the blimp and the truck i guess i guess maybe there's um 
that apparent apparently the, the highwayman was planning to kill him. Uh, he's saying when he's talking to the Baron, but he decided he decided after midnight messed up that he's like, oh, I guess we should. He yeah, might be useful. He, yeah, then now he's wanting to see if he can recruit him. So that's that's interesting. Um, I guess I guess on the page where U.S. breaks into the blimp, uh, all, all all these things that have gone on with the Baron. I mean, his blimp getting shot up, you know, him having to carry chickens cross, cross country, uh, you know, him having to actually fly in a blimp, which is ridiculous enough. Uh, the final straw to make him tip over to wanting to kill us and ignore the whims of the highwaymen is that he broke one of his wonderful windows. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I just don't get the character. But. And I guess, I don't know. And like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. And the panel where he actually, where us throws the rope out to, to catch the thing. Like, it seems kind of close, but I don't know. Like, it feels like they, they would have had enough time to like, just go up there and cut the rope. So he would fall to his death. But I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess they're just like all, you know, he, he's just gone nuts because they broke a window and then everyone else is terrified that he's going to, that he's, he's going to get to them. I guess. That could be. And apparently, uh, the Baron is done with the high women. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you like, break one of his windows and he's, he's, uh, obviously hacked off enough that he's going to completely ignore his, his job and whatever money he was going to get paid and all that. So yeah, whatever this one kind of, uh, stretched up. Well, it didn't really stretch credulity, but uh, the Baron picks up a sword and starts slashing at U.S. Mm-hmm. And luckily, he hits U.S., of course, where else? In his head. Mm-hmm. So, didn't slice against his torso, didn't, you know, cut off an arm or anything. Immediately slaps him he in does- the head. He does. He does say that he's he's trying to time it right so that he that the the, the sword hits him in the skull, but it's still kind of eh, I don't know. You've got a that's some good timing. If you're if you're timing a sword battle where the sword slashes you in the head, that and because you've got to be looking down or well, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I mean, yeah, because I mean the the. I mean, because he's got to be like anticipating everything this guy is doing, and it doesn't. It just doesn't. I don't know if that really holds water, and it doesn't look like he is. Cause it looks like he's he's like going back because he's like you know almost falling out of the window, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see you can see retread like freaking out in the little tiny truck under and going through there. But yeah, and, and that, there's the one panel under there. You know, there's rain pouring into the window. So there's the puddle that he looks like he's backing into that yeah. he could possibly slip on. So there's just more danger that could really work against him having the Baron hit him in the head with a sword. Yeah, uh, it's like, if he's so uh, aware of all of these things, like how he's not going to slip on the water and he's not going to, you know, he's going to make the Baron hit him in the head with the flat of his sword. Uh, he might maybe be should be paying a little bit more attention to the fact that there's an open window behind him, yeah. which apparently he is not. No. Um, the next page, panel two. Uh, oh yes, that's great. Yes. Uh, now fought. It looks like the new Steven Spielberg movie to you. Uh, wait, it looks like the new Steven Spielberg movie to me, Baron. You know, poultry geist. <laughs> but um. 
Uh, and then there's like, and then there's like two editors' notes. It's like, this one's too foul, even for you, Milgram, Bob Harris. I'm afraid we're going to have to pull it, Ralph Macchio. That's like, <laughs> oh, see the sad. We thought we thought we dodged that with the fire puns in last one, and I guess I guess they just gave it with both barrels in that yeah. one panel. <laughs> Sadly, however, you know, come 24 years after the uh, mention of this uh, pun in the book, there was a movie called. Uh, poultry guys produced there was indeed Mm -hmm. you can find it on netflix folks i'm not saying you should go watch it because i'm i'm going to make an assumption that it's rightfully awful but there was one produced just Mm -hmm. to let you know uh oh and then there's a like right in the next panel he's like when like he's even like the baron's like struggling inside of all the chickens and then like managed to haul myself back inside while the baron is getting tired and feathered i'm like oh no uh-huh and then really? on this panel his the baron's curse is donner, donner um, blitzen, blitzen. <laughs> uh, okay and then, yeah, and then, then we get the thing you were, that you were mentioning before about uh, studying Schultz from Old Hogan's Heroes Ruins, and that kind of makes me wonder, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe this is just Milgram, like, uh, what's the hanging a lantern on a hanging lantern, like, like saying, like, yes, I know this is ridiculous and stupid, but just go with it, and instead of just like, you know, just letting it sit there, but at yeah. the same, but at the same time, I'm, I'm like wondering, like, is that important? Like, maybe he isn't really German. Maybe he's just like a. Maybe he's like you know trying to pretend to be German and or like you know has got all this psychological. What I mean, yeah. I think I'm probably giving the the um, writer too much credit. But Are you I, saying that maybe you know he's pulling he's pulling a Mandarin? Huh? Maybe mm-hmm. he's pulling a Mandarin. <laughs> not to spoil the movie, you know. But oh, I don't know. Oh, have you not seen Iron Man? 3? I have not seen it. No. I'm oh. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. It's okay. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what you're talking about. So okay. I'll no, be fine. no problem then. Um, but he did. Yeah, it just seemed really like. Yeah. Not. I mean. I, I wonder is that important or is that just like? Please don't kill me for this stupid stereotype. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Tell. Yeah, you kind of got to wonder whether he's you know trying to say go along with it or whether he's not whether he's trying to cover himself. So yeah, I agree. But uh, I don't have any notes on the last page. It's just. Yeah, the the bad guy gets away, and it's never really uh, determined whether or not. I guess U.S. wins because the Baron was defeated and went off, and I guess I, I guess all of his chickens are dead because they're falling out, you know, like spiraling out of the. Yeah, man. that is a lot of feathers, a lot of feathers. Yeah, but uh, as God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. And and they ma- they they managed to stick in one more uh, thing, at, uh chicken pun this is like yeah it wasn't all that tough retread the baron wasn't as tough as he let on in fact you might say he just sort of chickened out <laughs> and Ooh. even retread who is probably you know wickedly high at this moment goes oof <laughs> yeah so even he knows that that's a horrible pun yeah. that was interesting though that they make another they do make a, we were talking about dated references earlier and apparently he says he's gonna let the let it go uh the blimp go up up and away like the fifth dimension used to sing oh yes i forgot <laughs> which about is like that. wow i mean like that's that's like a 20 year old reference uh-huh. when when this book came out i mean like that's that's i mean is us even old enough to have heard the fifth dimension i'm certain 
I'm assuming this is uh, 83, and he's probably in his 20s, so he might have, because I've heard the fifth dimension. I, you know, I, I was born in 1970, so, uh, you know, I, I've heard the fifth dimension. Uh, That's I, heard true. I mean, I, I mean, I have, I have two, and I've, you know, and he, uh, a while after that. But, I'll, you know. I'll, assume, I'll assume he, uh, I'll, I'll assume he probably listened to it. It was probably playing on the AM radio at the time, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it to him. But yeah, it is a very, very dated musical reference, but. And I love the the, the, the the tagline for next issue. That's great. Not yeah. wild enough for you yet. Wait till you see next issue. You'll be amazed. Yes. Let's see. Another and pie. You, and, and, and you will be. You will be. Yes. Yes, you will be amazed. But uh, yeah, that ends my notes. Uh, well, we gotta, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Um, all right. I think. Um, I think, yeah, because we got the, the letters page, which I think they did actually. Uh, yeah, apparently the reason Herb Trimpey is not drawing this is not drawing this book anymore is apparently he had several other commitments, including Incredible Hulk Annual Number Twelve, which he penciled in ink, um, and upcoming miniseries featuring Rawhide Kid and Machine Man, which are a very interesting combination of characters, I would say. Well, I think I think they're separate books, but uh, no, yeah. I know, I know. I'm just saying this weird things we working on at the same time. Well, that's kind of cool. Well, that at least explains why he was off the book. But yeah, I, I don't think that. That's definitely not a step down, you know, from doing this book. But yeah, it's good to hear that Trimpy is doing other stuff here. But uh, the artwork here was a lot better. But I hate to say it, the story was a bit goofier. And I think the addition of Baron von Blim kind of kind of derailed it. But I, I, I can see what you're saying, but I think I, I don't know. I did definitely like this one a lot better because I feel like, I mean, especially compared to to issue three like i mean i don't know where where the i thought like this the story just kind of hung there and like there wasn't um they they weren't totally going balls out and crazy like the end that where i think this kind of did and i kind of like that I and mean, sort of admire that in some ways even though it's insane and you know out of but but i i found it a lot more fun just because it was you know I'll give you that. It was it was, it was what I what I thought I was gonna get from US one instead of like oh yeah we're gonna just follow this old dude around for a while we're gonna get in a fight and oh look it's the bad guy all along and mm-hmm. that, that, where I don't think that was a I, I didn't feel like that was an incredibly strong story even you know even if it was more maybe grounded in uh, less less uh, mm-hmm. less silliness I don't know. Uh, do you want to take a look at ads of this one and see what we got? Sure. Okay. Uh, front and side cover again. We get another Cracker Jack one. I think we covered this one. This is the yeah, this is one. This is the one from the first one. This is the, yeah. Yeah, the one with the alternate universe where the kids are all, you know. Super, super nice and don't, yeah. don't touch. Yeah, we, yeah, whenever you fail at basketball, they're they're very supportive of the other team. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird alternate universe. The creation um, comic convention with, mm-hmm. uh, got a, let's see uh, we've got a, it's got a really nice picture of suit well i don't know i say really nice i mean like it's a picture of sue storm that looks both pretty and kind of like she might be a robot or something yeah it's very very tell. very expressionless face it's like it Ur. looks it looks like it might was burn drawing it at the time or was burn doing the fantastic four at the time i'm not i mean i know he did it in the 80s i'm not sure exactly what they were i mean we should i don't know 
Yeah. Should it's, ask it's, Mike, ba- Mike Bailey. He'd know. I'm or certain he Scott would. Not Gardner or like anybody else, but oh, us, yeah. apparently. True. <laughs> but they've got some neat ones in Hartford, Connecticut. They got Bob Wychek and Steve Lealoa mm-hmm. uh, looking at some Talking other... about last time. Yeah. Or not last, not last time, but last... Uh, it, last it, issue, yeah. Uh, Philadelphia's got John Byrne and Paul Smith, uh, Klaus Jansen in Atlanta, uh, Byrne and Austin in Washington, D.C. That's cool. Coming off their X-Men, but... Uh, doesn't have any any other big names in any of the other ones, but that's that's some pretty good stuff. Especially the one in Washington would have been pretty cool with uh, John Byrne and Steve Austin, or not Steve Austin, Terry. <laughs> that would be great. That would be kind of cool. I want Steve Terry Austin. Austin to be real. That would be great. Bionic <laughs> Inker. There you go. Yes. Um, we got a Star Frontier set. Yeah, Star Frontier is the uh, sort of bastard child of D and D's trying to catch in on the uh, uh, bastard, Star Wars we'll crowd. Fair, bastard, ti- bastard child of D and D and Star Wars. That's true. I do like kind of like the, the the it's got like a, like narrations like from the very center of a, the great spiral galaxy on a quest with but one intention to a planet forbidden, driven by a force unstoppable, not knowing why, but programmed to purchase Star Frontiers role playing game, the choice of millions as the best way to defend the galaxy. Uh, I would think spaceships would be the best way to defend the galaxy, but <laughs> uh, that's just me. Yeah, I think you could find a better way, and I think they may be overstating it a. a bit at being the choice of millions as the best way to defend the galaxy maybe choice of thousands you know i i know there's probably a lot of people who played star frontiers but i don't think it was nearly as popular as dungeons dragons or really pretty much i mean i'm I'm pretty sure there's millions of people playing DD in the 80s i don't think there were millions of people uh Playing Star, playing Star Frontiers, because if there was, I probably would have heard at least one of them talk about it at some point. Mm-hmm. You would th- I mean, because I had no idea that this was a thing until yeah. So the other time. Uh, a few pages in, we get uh, a couple of pages of the uh, sort of hodgepodge ad, which has uh, some advertisements we've seen before. The horrible Thor and the uh, weight gain pounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a sort of half page one on this one that's in really bright pink. Yeah, uh, a comic it's really books. like a big, font. I mean, like huge font. Mm-hmm. It's like comic book Star Trek and science fiction fans. Uh, the 1983 tour. I'm trying to see, it doesn't list anything. It just says there will be Star Trek and other film stars, but it doesn't really list anyone. So it's probably like, uh, you know, here's the actor who played crewman number seven on, uh, you know, Spock's brain. So <laughs> yeah. Well, they do. There's an ad for uh, Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, which I believe is that's that's the stop the the shop that uh, sponsors uh, Heroes Con now, doesn't it? Oh, really? I think so. I mean, it's, it's in North Carolina and Charlotte. I think I believe that's the name of the shop. So. I'd, I'd buy that. It could be. Uh, next page, of course, is the scam of grit, which we've talked yes. about before, and then there's a collector's page for Heroes World, and uh, this is out of uh, Morristown, New Jersey. I'm looking at some of the. This is long before the uh, the uh, comics in the '90s were completely overpriced. I'm not really seeing most of these are dollar titles, and I'm betting you could probably find these in the dollar bins as well. I say, was Heroes Heroes World? Is that the, the were they the, the eventually ones that became the distributor of them that that Marvel Might bought have been. way back in back in the, was that in the '90s or that was yeah it could uh, have been. yeah yeah could be I don't know. Hmm. 
Or they could just have the same name. I'm sure it's a... Yeah, it's probably not an exclusive name. Mm. Uh, Surprisingly, there's not that... There, there's not that many ads. Again, moving along, we've got the same uh, Happy Wolverine ad about a subscri- subscription to Marvel Comics for only forty-two cents a copy, which is uh, that's a pretty decent price. I would, I would pay if I could pay forty-two cents for a copy of Marvel Comics nowadays. I'd be pretty excited. Well, even even then, it's not that's not bad. I mean, when they're running running sixty cents, that's you know mm-hmm. that's. Uh, Thirty percent off. That's that's not that's not a bad deal. That's a pretty good discount. Um, and there's another hodgepodge ad that's got a uh, this thing is draw super characters, which from the E Phelps Company of Cleveland, Ohio. Which honestly, I don't know if I look at the illustration accompanying it, I'm like, wow, maybe you can draw figures, but you do not know how to design a costume. That costume is ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. They've got an ad here for uh, comic bags, which I guess is, you know, for your collectors. So I remember during this time, if I was collecting comics in the 80s, I was not bagging and boarding them. You know, I had I had my bunch of Star Wars comics just sitting in a bookshelf, you know, lined up between, you know, a couple of uh, uh, end caps, you know, to keep them pushed together. But I wasn't bagging and boarding anything at the time. So this is, this is kind of interesting that the... Uh, collector thing is now in books i mean this is i think this is one of the first time i've seen an ad like this mm-hmm. and i mean I, but i guess it kind of makes sense so you would need to if you wanted them you would have to get them that way because i mean there wasn't there weren't hardly that many um i mean maybe it was mid 80s so it's sort of getting to probably where there would be more of them but there weren't there weren't all that many comic book specialty shops and so if you were not in a big place they were in i mean i i know some of them are older like there's a couple of stores that are in downtown seattle that are like from the mid 70s but they're some of the oldest ones i think in the yeah. country so so i mean yeah i mean if you don't have one near if you're not living in like uh you know chicago or new york or los angeles or something you might not be able to find uh, a, a shop near you that would carry them yeah very uh, true so, uh, sense, I guess. Anything else on that page, or because no. the next one I'm going to is the bullpen's bulletin, where they, I guess they're showing the different designs of how the uh, Marvel comics are shown for the specialty shops and for newsstands, and then for the uh, epic line of comics. And this, I guess, is how you can tell on the on the corner copy how one's for direct market, how one is for the uh, comic shops, and than how the uh, epic comic is sold. So that's kind of oh, a neat Oh, right. And on this bullpen bulletin, we, uh, we do find out what John Byrne was doing. Because apparently this is the month when Alpha Flight number one came out. Oh, there you go. I did not even realize that. I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, that is a thing, apparently. That's just, I mean, I don't know. I've only read, like, I think they have, like, the alpha flight classics or whatever that like reprints the first 12 or something and yeah. i read that and that was really good but I mean, it's hard to find the issues anywhere yeah i've heard the john Byrne stuff uh, especially his first i think he ran like 18 issues or somewhere 18 between 18 and 20 or some issues and i've heard that stuff is really good i've heard them a lot of people talk about that mm-hmm. i like also uh, star wars 74 which is uh, a super special and it's got uh a story by Joe Duffy with art by Ron Friends and Tom Palmer. So uh, you can't go wrong with that book, you know, especially with Palmer and Friends working on it. 
So mm-hmm. that's a good one. And the uh, uh, Marvel gra- Marvel graphic novel uh, Kill Raven by Don McGregor and P.K. Russell. Oh, cool. And also I noticed uh, one of the magazines was uh, the Marvel Super Special for the movie Rock and Rule, which uh, uh, again, I'm is, gonna... that a, is that a thing? Yes, it is. It's an okay. actual oh, movie. Wow. It's about Exciting. a uh, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic world where I guess alien or animals have mutated into sort of humanoid things. Actually, uh, you know, referencing another podcast, uh, Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson on their show Better in the Dark actually talked about this on their obscure movie episode and talked about the movie Rock and Rule. And it's got uh, like songs from Cheap Trick and Debbie Harry, Iggy Pop and Lou Reed. Uh, It's got the song My Name is Mock which I think is the the song that most people remember from it. But uh, it's a fun movie, and I didn't know that Marvel did a super special cover in it, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Bill Mantlo. We did a lot of those in the thing. Yeah, cool. Uh, next page is the Kool-Aid Man comic. We covered that in the oh, last issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, Man, it just feels good every time I say that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, so the yeah we got the, the letters column. That's apparently there is apparently some people who think it is pretty awesome, and there are some people who hate it, <laughs> as as is usual. I, I'm glad that they're at least you know printing the uh, the the letters from the people who are detractors from the book. So that makes you feel that it's not just Stan writing in you know, praising all the stuff because that's kind of the way I felt, you know, in early issues of Marvel magazines and Marvel comics that it was just all praise for the book. So at least we're getting some on the opposite side. There is one thing that I did really like. It's a design. Uh, this guy's like, got like a huge list of things that, uh, that he thinks that they should do to make this book better. And uh, the last one is design a teen up featuring U.S.'s meeting with Marvel's only costume trucking superhero, the Razorback. Who actually, I think, did come out around the, a more appropriate time for the trucking fad. I just, wow. But 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 I, I would actually kind of like that. I will admit. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully they'll get on that sometime. I gotta I gotta I gotta figure out though. How does how does how does that guy fit in his truck? I just never figured that one out. I don't want to think about it. No, because it's got like a huge thing on his head. Like it's yeah. got like a, you know thing. Yeah. What's what? The, I'm not sorry. You're making it sound like it's some sort of like weird creepy thing but it's like no he's just got a big thing on his head like there are horns there right okay <laughs> maybe maybe i don't want to know what you're thinking i i don't know if i want to know what i'm thinking uh <laughs> I see, i'm I see. i'm moving on to the next page i guess this is a advertisement for like mini army men type stuff oh. i'm assuming you know that's fighting ships and a military task force so i guess it's little plastic battleships or whatever Sure, whatever. I you think know. it's. I mean, it's, it looks like it's for uh, for uh, like war gaming or something. I think. Okay. Or like, or I guess it's just it has a thing, terrific, a real game with a huge realistic naval fleet, a giant washable skid-proof battle area, and simple rules for dive bombings, mine laying, and ship-to-ship combat, uh, torpedoing, sonar, and more. I don't know, like. I don't like anything that's skid proof, so I'm going to skip on to that. Um, I enjoy things that are skid proof because uh, the other weekend I almost uh, I was at a hotel and I they they took out the 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 skid proof mat thing on the on the bottom of the, uh, of it and I didn't realize and I almost I almost took a fall. That was not okay. fun. 
I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't break anything. So it's all good. That's good. I like uh, the, uh, this thing. This is nice. I'm then, assuming, oh, you go ahead. No, I was gonna move on to the next page. The Advanced yeah. Dungeons Dragons game for the Intellivision. Yeah. I actually, I actually remember playing this over at my cousin's, and it was, you know, it's about as far from playing Dungeons and Dragons as possible. You've got a little character who walks around and shoots arrows at at things, and you go down these ladders and go into dungeons, and you shoot arrows at other things. So it's it's not in any way really like Dungeons and Dragons at all, but you know, it's mm-hmm. it was a fun enough game. I'll give that's it that. a really that's some really nice art too. That oh yeah, was, that's was, a good. The guy taking a drawing a bead with his arrow on this like giant weird looking dragon that's got like eye. It looks like it's, I don't know, maybe it's a like a vent or something, but it kind of looks mm-hmm. like he has like eyes on the top and on the bottom of his head, which is mm-hmm. pretty. And I nuts. like I, I like him standing on this little crossbeam across this bridge. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the bridge is over, but it's over to another wall. It's this neat sort of arched bridge. Yeah, it's a it's some mm-hmm. good artwork there. You know, uh, I think the artwork for these games really sells it because the games themselves, the graphics were. <laughs> and he's like, I did, they shouldn't have put the picture of the game graphics because they they did, and there's like a little thing of what's going on there, and like that really kills a lot of the enthusiasm. Uh, garnered by the really pretty picture that they have there because it's just mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like these it looks like dig dug or something like yes. it's not it's, oh man it that, is, is, that it, is some unfortunate graphics it, it does take away from the artwork definitely but moving on the back outside page we've got an advertisement for i guess now you can get down the television uh because I think it came out for the Atari first, but now you can uh television version of the game Frogger which was you know I think this was a game that makes an easy transition to uh, home video game consoles because graphics-wise, it wasn't really all that amazing in the uh, in the arcade. And yeah. it was just a fun sort of platformer game where you're trying to get the frog across, across the highway and you've got various lanes of cars and logs and uh, little things that dump into the water. And it's it was a it, it was a neat fun game and. Uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the I, things yeah. I've heard. I mean, I think I've heard. I've heard a lot of people have nice things to say. I mean, I played it before too. It's maybe not. Maybe I've been spoiled. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, super excited about it. But I, most people I've heard of that you know were playing it when it was coming out really really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But that's it for the issue. Um, uh, I guess what's going to happen is here in a uh, couple of months we will come back with uh, episodes five and or issues of five and six of uh, us one and we'll be continuing this on to uh, what hopefully isn't the bitter end you know jay are you more than excited to come along to see what happens at the end of this thing oh yes <laughs> yes i am but I, I i don't know like i am kind of i'm kind of scared too <laughs> yeah, uh, after this issue, it, it does sort of it does sort of make me wonder, you know, whether or not this will be as fun as it's been up to this point. I mean, there are so many ways that it could go wrong, and I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping it ends up just being a fun little romp, but I guess both of us will find out soon enough. So. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for downloading and listening. And we will catch you here in a little while with another episode of Just One of Them, Their Guys. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Talk to you later. Uh, Stay stay frosty. Is that what you say?
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's what's up. Should should have said a trucker thing. Uh, <laughs> it works. Yes, it does. You've been listening to Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast, hosted by Sean Ingle and Jay Ferguson. All images, stories, and music are copyright the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely to show everyone how cool it is to sit for long periods of time in the cab of an 18-wheeler while listening to an ever-changing radio station and popping no-dos like M&M's. All feedback to the show can be sent to the sister side of the show at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the RSS feed for the show at the new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. You can also go to the Just One of the Guys section, and you'll find episodes there. The show is also on iTunes under the Just One of the Guys banner, as well as the all-new Two True Freaks number two. Go there, and be sure to leave a review. You can also reach me on Citizens Band Channel 19 if you're traveling through the great state of Oklahoma. Just give a shout-out for Wide Load Shawnee, and I'll chat the night away with you. However, you still won't find me on Facebook. Sorry, folks. But that's it for this time. Come back again next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US-1 podcast. Westbound and down, 18 wheels rolling. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm westbound, just watch old bandit run.